Welcome back to It's All Bad. I'm Keith. I'm Ukrainian Danny. Oh, that's right. He's changing it up. Well, I got, Charlie's I got here. Lawrence is here. And yeah. Venice's finest bagel. Hello. How are you? What's up, man? How's it going, man? Thank yeah, you for having me on. It finally happened. It yeah. Happened. <laughs> We've been talking we, about this for We a while. really took our fucking sweet time <laughs> hooking this shit out of that. Three yeah. years in the making. I know. Fucking... Everyone's schedule's all fucked up. Yeah. Bagel's one of my favorite photographers, and also a Venice stronghold. Thank you, man. Been there forever. A lot of everybody's favorite skate photos of yours. Though, I, feel I like. appreciate that, yeah. man. That's cool. It's um, humbling to know. Thank you. Yeah, no. Um, Your dog's fucking rad, by the yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, so she bark, barked at me all fucking crazy when yeah. I came in, she's and then like, like that's all super. Yeah, dude, she's right in. Uh, I'm like playing with her fucking up. cheeks right now. Uh, oh. Um, what was it like growing up in Venice, Bagel? That's a very loaded question. <laughs> There's a lot of loaded people in those stories. Uh, fucking, it was, I, I, it's overly used. I say this all the time, but man, it was still the, it was still the Wild West. It just yeah. fucking, it was unruly, man. It was very Lord of the Flies-ish where there was definitely parents. They just weren't around when like the crazy shit was going down, you know? They just sort of were the parents when we got home, Yeah, you know? Or parent, you know what I mean? Depending on who you were, you know? Uh, shit like that but you know fucking it was we got to just sort of do what we want and got away with it and there was cops but like okay so this is i i love to say this shit because you see look at your dog man but you have like because it's funny as fuck and the fact that the cops their substation was at the pavilion our hangout so it's like you know like you're sort of have to coincide and you know someone's fucking up and they I wouldn't say turn a blind eye, but they didn't give a shit too much. Yeah. And, we, and when we would hide from them, we were hiding from them in their own substation. <laughs> and we would just, like, watch them chase each other's tails like Keystone Cops. And we're like, we're literally under a bench at the pavilion, and the substation is two feet away because it's in the pavilion, and these fools are chasing us, you know no what shit. I mean? Yeah. So it was, like, shit like that. Like, that probably wouldn't happen nowadays, but, like, it was, like, pretty comical with that kind of stuff. Back then, yeah. When you were little, the motorcycle clubs were still around there and shit. The right? Heathens were the local biker club, yeah. and they hung out at the Sunset Saloon, which that place, I watched it my whole life, and it was like as I got older, like when I was really young, it was like, whoa, that place looks crazy. And then as I got older, it's like, oh, I can't wait to go in there. Yeah. And it fucking shut down when I was 19. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck you guys, dude. You owe me a beer in two years in that place. I've been waiting my whole life to go in there. Like it was super tinted windows. Yeah. And like I would press my face and they'd be like, fuck, that place looks rad. And like, and then all the dudes that we knew that were older, they would come out and just hang out. It'd be like guys that, that were older than me that I grew up surfing with, with all my friends or like, like the older biker guys, like Tattoo Bob was yeah. the only tattoo shop in Venice and he was a heathen, you know? Oh. So like, and then my dad's old neighbor was little Al and he was this heathen that, you know, that we knew from just like hanging out back then. They would like come out the sunset saloon and be like, whoa, that's rad. I was there. You know? yeah. Oh, Bob, you know, cause you're fucking like pretty young, like looking up to it and shit, you know, fools just coming out all wasted, fucking all annihilated, you know, like it was a full like biker blues, rock and roll kind oh, of really? bar, like legit ass place. It's where the, so it is where the memorial for 
my friend Brian was at, it's on the boardwalk right there. And oh. it's, that was it. It's like a new place now. You know what I mean? On the boardwalk? It, yeah. It used to be the terrace forever. Yeah. And fucking after that, it shut down. It's something else now. And then fucking that is where the Sunset Saloon used to be. And it was just this like dope ass, just fucking all window tinted fucking place. You know what I mean? Real basic. You know, it doesn't look anything like it does now. And next door was like a, a like a hamburger wings place and we used to play video games or you could go there as a kid and there was literally like the dividing line between the bar and that place was like this curtain so no we'd be way. like yeah we'd be like full of kids like looking in like whoa that's rad you know i remember i took dude this is good i took a piss one time and i was like playing video games and shit and this guy comes in i'll never forget this he's just fucked up some like older fucking drunk dude fucking he's all hammered and he's like, looks at me and he's like, what's up? You go to school at the elementary school over there? And I go, yeah. And I go, I go, I got my report card today. He goes, how'd you do? And I was, and we like stopped taking a leak and I'm fucking like hand him the fucking like card. And I had done pretty decent. And he's like, he pulls out money and he gives me like 20 bucks. And he goes, that's for the A and the B that you got. Like, do a good job. Like, he was doing his, like, one good like, <laughs> deed before he went day drinking more in the Sunset Saloon, you know? Like, patting me on the head. I was like, fuck, that was rad. Like, dude, dude, fuck, you gave me money for, like, doing good. I was like, note to self, try to do good, you know? Like, maybe you'll get some money if you get good grades. But I remember guy just stumbling back. I'll never forget that, man. That's like, Venice was like that. You yeah. know what I mean? It was like that classic, like, Little scenes of fucking humor, shit like that would happen. You know what I mean? All the time. Did you guys, you guys started partying pretty young, right? Yeah, for sure, definitely. Like I was, I didn't like weed back then. I smoked weed with these two brothers that I know, Ben and Noah Austin, and they were like the first to get me high. And I was like, "Yo, this makes me way too passive." This makes, like, my guard way too down, and I was, like, way too aggro to like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I liked it. Like, I would listen to, like, fucking, like, music and be like, whoa, I never noticed that before. Like, that was cool. But, like, my guard being down was, like, freaked me out way too much. I was like, I feel really vulnerable on this shit. I don't like it. And then I'd get drunk, and I'd be like, fuck, yeah. I'd be all aggro and pissed off. I'm like, I love this. Like, it makes me just a fucking more of a maniac, you know? So I took to drinking pretty like consistently i trip when i think about it too like because like now i like i can't stand drinking it. i'm not in aa or sober or anything but like i just finally like was like all right dude i'm like i'm just burned out on it really yeah i just i just literally like i'll have a drink here and there like let's say once in a blue moon but like i hate being hung over i love surfing if i'm hung over i won't surf so there's just things that I was like, I don't like that feel. I used to love getting super fucked up. Me and Jamie Burtis, Vision, we, when we lived together, we would get so fucked up and surf so miserably hungover the next day and would go out at the jetty just under sea level barrels and just get destroyed. It's like, fuck, yeah, like that was part of the like like the bravado slash this will cure my hangover and just go out and get pounded and kind of shit. Like we would do it on purpose. I can't even think of doing that now. I would be so <laughs> fucking miserable. Like being hungover and waking up sucks. Being hungover and be like, dude, now I got to go surf. Yeah. Like even if it was good, it would just be like, ugh, you know, it's, I, I don't dig it. So when I started drinking, it was more just to sort of be wild 
And then definitely, like, when my dad passed, I was like, then this is fucked up to say, but I'll be really honest about this. My dad was, like, really core with the, like, you don't party. And this is super twisted shit. He worked in uh, drug and rehab rehabilitation oh. centers. He worked for the Dodgers doing that shit when Steve Howell was doing blow back then. And he worked it with Sweet Lou Johnson from the Dodgers. I know I'm jumping around all over That's the place. I'm also yeah, like super baked right now, so yeah. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> so fuck you, Daddy Rehab shit to do a damn thing. So he also would go to like Silmar Junior uh, Juvenile Hall and yeah. like take me with him to as sort of like a scared straight thing. Like I would be really young. He'd be like, those kids, like, you know why they're here. And like, and he, and I did like, I would just sit in with him, watch him do sessions. He would do therapy sessions with him. My dad did this real radical form of therapy called psychodrama. And it's actually in that Billy Jack movie, fucking, yeah. uh, fucking Dr. Johnny Fever. I forget, forgot yeah. the actor's name. His character in that movie, the Billy Jack movie, Born to Lose, does a therapy session like this with kids at a youth center. I don't can't believe I remember that shit, but I always trip because I was like, oh, he said psychodrama. That's what my dad did. And there's a lot of like, you know, it, and it, fuck what it's about. I'll, I'll tell you that later. But anyway, so like he would take me and do these sessions with these kids and they would like really dig it and everything. And I was always raised like, don't, you know, don't do drugs. Don't drink. It'll fuck you up. If I see you smoke a joint, I'll fucking, like, I'll break your fucking fingers. Like, he would tell me that. And he never got physical with me, but he would, like, say these gnarly threats. And he was super loving, but he was, like, really gnarly. Like, go figure, you know, Apple doesn't fall for the, fall for the tree. <laughs> like, I'm super loving, but I'm also like, but don't do anything stupid, dude. Yeah. You know, like, because then you get the backhand and fucking wrath. So I remember thinking, like, man, listen to that. Listen to that. But he also smoked weed every fucking day. Really? He would drink beers on Sunday, watch a wide world of sports, and do like crap crab and drink beer and cut loose kind of thing. And then as I got older, he, I, I knew he was doing blow but didn't physically see it. And then he ultimately died because he had diabetes really bad. And he was like a gnarly athlete. Like he held records at Hamilton High because he was a West L.A. kid. Yeah. And like was into track and field and football and then – he slowly deteriorated, and, like, when he died, his health was failing, but he also was abusing, like, the pills that he had and all yeah. that. And then I remember when he did this is the fucked up part. When he died, obviously it was a major blow to me, and I did not deal with it at 14. Like, I just literally didn't, and I just sort of, like, didn't deal with it. But I remember thinking, you know what, though? Now I'm going to go do whatever the fuck I want because I'm just going to go like, fuck it. Like, there's no there's no pressure of dad yeah. being like, you know, like, you better not or else. Because I was like, yo, like, you're a bullshitter. I love you, but you ended up bullshitting. So then about 14, I would say, I started drinking somewhat, like, not heavy. But I could say I've been drinking since 14 consistently almost every weekend for like until I was at least in my 30s where I was like didn't think it was bad because I'm like I have friends who are alcoholics and they drink every fucking day and they also do blow. I only drink on Friday or Saturday because I never was able to do two days in a row. Like, I would drink so fucking gnarly. I would just be miserable the next day. And I'd be like, yo, dude, I cut loose once a week. But then like. Everything that ever, like, it is the typical, like, 
all the fuck-ups, I could say 99% of the time I was fucked up. Like, the fucking one time I go to jail, I was on fucking quaaludes, Mexican quaaludes, you know? Like, <laughs> you know, like, the, I got my teeth knocked in at a fair show. I went up to this dude, me and my homeboy, little red dog, Tristan Welsh. We got... Fucking, we drank like two cases of beer before he left his pad. We had no business being in the car. He had this fucked up Scirocco and this fucking thing, dude. Like, you'd hit a bump and it felt like it was plastic. You know, so, <laughs> we go up to the Palladium, fucking MDC's on. I don't even remember walking through the place. And then Fear plays. And by like the second or third song, for whatever fucking stupid reason, I went up to the biggest dude and I just was all, fuck you, motherfucker. Venice, and I just cracked the guy, and I had a bunch of friends with me, but I was nowhere near them. I was like on the other side of the radio, and him and his boys fucking just stomped me out, and I was annihilated. They fucking kicked my teeth in, and I'm like grabbing the guy's leg, trying to bite him, like, fuck you, motherfuckers, you ain't shit. I get up, I stumble like through the pit, I'm just getting knocked around, and I see my friend Jimmy Vantine, and this is, you guys see Slapshot? Yeah. Uh, this is like slap shot shit where I, he goes, what the fuck happened? I was like a bloody mess. I'm like, these motherfuckers just jumped me. I have no idea. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, who was it? I go, it was that dude. It like wasn't the dude. <laughs> and so he just runs over and he like knocks some dude out. And I was like, no, wait, it was that dude. He's like, yo, man. And I'm like, no, no, it was that dude. And we like ended up getting the dudes and like. I wouldn't quite say I got revenge, but, like, my friend kicked the shit out of one of the guys. But the other poor guy got knocked out, and the poor dude had nothing to do with anything. But (laughs) karmically, that guy gets the last laugh. I woke up the next morning, and, like, my nose was connected to my cheeks. Like, it was one solid thing, and, like, I had all, like, dried up blood up in my nose. I'm like, how am I even going to blow this out? And my girlfriend at the time was clowning me, and she goes, dude, you look like a fucking squirrel, dude. Like, that's the only way I can describe it. I was missing these teeth. I was like, dude, I got my teeth kicked in. I was like, wow. And I'd even get to enjoy fear yeah <laughs> like i stayed for the entire gig and like i could literally go i don't remember them playing dude uh, and i was like and you would think like maybe you would learn a lesson off that and i did that for years to follow with other shit you know yeah. what i mean like for as many like like there's the fight stories of like you win and you, usually that's like not the funny story. The funny story is the one where you get your ass beat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because if you have humility, you're sort of like, I always say that any fight I ever got into that was warranted, yeah. I, for whatever reason, I always won and came out ahead. Every one of them that I started as an asshole, I completely got my karma. Like 100%. Like, either got jumped or the living shit kicked out of me and absolutely deserved it. Every time I was just loaded being a piece of shit. You know what I mean? And I'm like, that I finally was like, okay, dude, like, I'm sort of getting how that one works right Mm -hmm. now, you know? So, oh, nice. I mean, I don't think, you know, growing up, like, growing up in LA, and a lot of people who listen don't get it, like, there's no one-on-one. Like, that shit don't exist here, you know? Like, it just doesn't. Like, it's like, if one of your homies is getting it, like, you can't, like, I can't, you know, like, I can't stand by, I can't watch it. Especially when you're younger, everyone wants, like, a part of it. You know, you're like, it's just like, it's like blood in the shark tank. Everyone's like, ah, friends. (laughs) I remember we jumped, this was fucked up, we jumped some dude in the Palisades at a gas station, 
And he goes, whatever happened to one-on-one? I said some fucked up thing like, that died with the 50s. Like, <laughs> like, yo, like it was one of the eras, you know what I mean? Or it died with the 60s, like some fucked up ass shit to justify it, man. Oh, yeah. over What's the most shit. fucked up drug store you have, or funniest? Okay, the, for me personally, it would be, because there's tons with my friends, but like of them fucked up, but mine is... I. Got mushrooms one time, and I love those things, right? <laughs> like, they're great, dude. Like, I'm yeah. all, is there long-term effects? Because, like, I don't know. If you did a little each day, you might just come out a little bit better. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> you definitely, like, you'll feel happy, that's for sure. Mm. So my friend had this bag of mushrooms, and he had give. it was, like, for, like, a bunch of us to all take, and he didn't separate them. And he put them all in one bag. And I was like, yo, dude, like, there's even like eight of us taking this shit. He goes, oh, dude, just dish it out, you know? And we all definitely took too much. <laughs> and I was at my friend's pad who I used to bartend with. And with two of my homies, my old roommate Ray and my friend Orky. And everyone else was like a little older than us. And we, I had worked with the other people and, and Ray and Orky I grew up with. And it starts hitting us, and we're like sitting at a like a, on these bar stools. And I was watching my friend Anthony talk to his chick, and it was like that whole thing where it was like watching a tennis match, where it was like, and I was like going back and forth. I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck they're saying. This shit is hitting way too fast. And I was like, I've never been this high on mushrooms before because before that, it was always like enough to like sort of laugh. It's it's like, oh, like the car grill looks like a face. But like this shit, I was like, yo, man, the car grill's a face, you know? (laughs) So fucking, I look at my friends. I go, hey, man, I'll be right back. And they go, okay. And I just literally just went out the front door. No one even noticed. And I was like, I need to be away from everyone. And I started walking through Venice. And I'm watching, like, the trees talk to me, and I was like, yo, man, that's like the goddamn fucking McDonald's commercials where the trees fucking talking, you know? It's like, it's, I feel like I'm at Disneyland, and the bushes are saying shit. And I remember th- I was doing the whole thing of trying to be rational, going, okay, I know I'm fucked up, but, like, I've never experienced this, but, and I'm trying to keep it together. And Ray was my roommate at the time, and we had taken a completely disgusting, this was when I lived upstairs in Two-Tone. A completely disgusting cockroach-infested apartment that had been that way for years. And Ray was like, I'll move in if we redo the place. And we redid the carpets. We bombed the place. A roach never came in there again. And it was all immaculate. And I had just put up all these frames. And this comes into play. And everything was, like, all perfect. It went from, like, animal house to, like, a very nice place all of a sudden. Ray's yeah. like, yo, dude, the animal house, like, ends if I move in. You know, kind of shit. So fucking... I'm walking home, and on the way home from Anthony's to my pad, I walk by the pad of my friend who had sold us the mushrooms, and I was like, man, I should go knock on his door. I should go knock on his door. I was like, nah, fuck that, dude. Like, I, I can't talk to him. I'm just, this is too much for me. And he lived around the corner from me, and I remember looking at everyone's lawn, and I was like, every blade of grass was meticulously perfect and spiked. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> my poor fucking pea brain just couldn't take it in and handle it. And I didn't smoke weed at that point either. Like, it, that probably would have helped me a little. You know, so I fucking get back to the pad. I shut the door, and my apartment was just on. That siren's probably going to sound fucking awesome in the podcast. <laughs> and my apartment's on, and my, I had a couch that was like a love seat 
And that, and it had like two tongues and two eyes, like Pee Wee's Playhouse looking shit. And I was sitting on my other chair, and I was like, "Damn, I should check this chair." And I got up, and it was doing the same thing. And I was like, "Holy fuck!" And I'm like, and then I heard my neighbors, and they were like, "Is he okay in there? Is he all right? I don't know. Is he all right?" And I'm like, "What the fuck is going on?" And I'm like, "Okay." Look in the mirror. And that's always the worst thing to do when you're on mushrooms. Yeah, so I look at the mirror, and I'm like, yeah. the clay look and all that. And I'm like, yo, why, why am I orange? What the fuck, dude? And I'm like, look at myself. I'm like, but I'm not bleeding. I'm all good. And I'm like, okay, man, here's the game plan, dude. And like the whole time, like shit's moving around, mm. the whole thing. And I go, here's the game plan. I'm going to open the fucking door. And I'm just ripping off the Band-Aid, and I'm just going to be like, look, I'm fine. Dude, I ripped open the door, and there was not one person there, dude. There was no neighbors. <laughs> there was no one talking. None of that shit. I'm like, what the fuck? I shut the door, and I look at the frames I had just put up, and every frame had its mathematical dimension next to it. So it was like, it was like you know, 8 by 10, 11 by 16. And like with dots around it, I was like, fuck, that's rad. Like this shit could do that to you, you know? So I'll back up and I'll go, I'll do like a Quentin Tarantino movie. We'll go back. So fucking at the pad, there was this dude named Chuck and he was really nice. And these guys were all also like, ex-Navy SEALs that all knew each other that, that my bartender friend knew. And this guy stuttered really gnarly, like gnarly. And we were like, that's going to fuck with us for sure. Like, we're going to take mushrooms and then like, damn, that's going to be sort of gnarly. We're like, not trying to be dicks, but it's one of those things you're like, whoa, we didn't see that coming. And he also looked like very much like a friend of ours named Chuck. And we we're like, wow, that's going to fuck with us too go back to my apartment and my roommate who I had left somehow drove home. He had this fucking dope ass old Regal that used to like fucking just be like, foof, 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 you know, like a big old sofa. He comes into the door, opens the door. And he goes, and they and they were all from Massachusetts as well. And he goes, don't you ever leave me with those fucking Bostonians like that again. He's like, dude, that fucking dude, Chuck, that looks like Chuck cornered me fucking while the mushrooms were hitting. And he just couldn't get it out, dude. He just couldn't get those sentences out. I was like, what? And I just started dying. And he found me. And he goes, what are you doing? And I was in the couch looking for the tongue in the couch. And I'm like, yo, dude, the couch has a tongue. Look at it. He's like, and he was all irritated. Like, shut the fuck up, blah, 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 blah. So later, we're, it's coming, we're coming down. And, like, you know, when you start getting the giggles when you come down from mushrooms, like the neck of my shirt's, like, all, like, by my fucking nipples, dude, because I'm sweating. I'm running my hair's all sticking. You know, you're like withered by the end of the whole thing. And he's like, yo, dude, you want to get something to eat? I'm like, yeah, man, like, let's get some pizza. And he, we were still high enough, though, and Johnny Carson was on. It was like right before he was off the air. It was like pretty, like, I think it was like early 90s, late 80s, early 90s or something. And fucking the whole he i looked at my friend and i was like are the curtains melting he goes oh yeah they've been melting the whole time we're like right like right it's not just me we're like we're still on this shit and then fucking he kept calling the dominoes guy and him and the dominoes guy were like arguing every time he's like dude i just want to order pizza they were going round for round and they kept calling and i'm like yo like you're getting that pizza fool like we're hungry we need that shit and i kept flipping a dime yeah. And watching it go and land perfectly on the new carpet. And I was like, whoa, that's so cool. And I wouldn't stop doing it. And he kept, every time the guy from Domino's picked up the phone, 
he would say to me, why are you dropping the dime on me, homie? And the guy's like, what? And they would start arguing, and that's what they were arguing about. And I was like, dude, just order the pizza. He's like, stop dropping the dime on me. So that's my stupid mushroom story, man. That's wow. a great That was the most high I've ever been where I was like, I have absolute no rationale of what the fuck's happening. Everything is off the charts. Oh, trees are talking and the whole thing. You know what I mean? I yeah. was like, oh, dude, I overdid it on this one. How you many know? mushrooms did you take? It was like a good handful. You know, it was like, it was, it was a, well over an eighth and I've never, I never did more than an eighth before then. So I was like, not ready for that shit. <laughs> at all. Yeah. I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. How'd you get arrested on the Mexican Quaaludes? That uh, I was at a surf flick at the Lemleys in Santa Monica, and we were going up into the parking lot after the show. And two, it was like you were saying, two guys, my friend and another guy, started getting into a fight, and I ran over, and then his friend. And I got into it. This is pretty funny shit, too. You'll, you'll love this shit, actually. This is right up your alley, too. <laughs> you'll be like, whoa. Like, it's, it's heavy, dude. So me and him end up brawling. We're both on the ground. Cops come up. They belly club the shit out of my knee. I instantly just, okay, cool, whatever. They fucking take me in. Me and, me and him, he's in a cell with the other guy who's his friend. And I'm in a separate cell, and I wouldn't stop fucking talking shit and being sarcastic. And the cops were fucking rolling on it because they, like, just for whatever reason, didn't like the other dudes. And they're like, you got to chill out a little. I was like, fuck those pussy motherfuckers, blah, blah, blah. And the one dude they got in a fight with my friend, he was fucked because he was, like, on leave from fucking Point Magoo. And the shore patrol guys came down and got his ass. And they're like, he's got to deal with the military court martial shit, oh, blah, blah, blah. Shit. So fucking me and this other guy, we end up having to go to court, obviously, on the same day, this and that. And he had a record. And he ended up getting, like, like this. He didn't have to pay money or anything, but he had, like, a really gnarly, like, probation after that. And I just had, like, the summary probation thing. You yeah. know what I mean? They're just, like, slap on the wrist. It was disturbing the peace. You guys didn't press charges on each other, so whatever, you know? Me and him end up being totally cool afterwards. We shake hands in court. Fucking for that day on, me and him had always been cool. Like, we just gassed on, like, hey, we're friends from fighting. <laughs> Years later, he hung out with a, a lot of my friends from Suicidal. Yeah. And he wasn't from Suicidal. He was like a Northside guy, Northside Santa Monica. Yeah. But he, he hung out with a lot of dudes I knew from Venice, or know from Venice. And, and knew, you know, some of them aren't here anymore. And he ended up, shanking some dude at a barbecue with a steak knife and killed the dude and totally ended up on America's Most Wanted. And we're like, holy fuck, no dude. Way. Yeah, we're like, holy shit. It was crazy. And they think that like he fled the country because he wasn't originally from here. Yo, that dude could have shanked me in the neck. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, luckily, I got him first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't shank him, but... <laughs> I definitely fucking socked him up, you know what I mean? And he was, like, taller than me. It was weird that we fought because, it like, I was so loaded. It just happened, like, so quick. Next thing I know, like, a cop's beating me. I'm like, whoa, what just happened? Oh, oh going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember calling. I called 
this house that we all used to hang out at. And this chick that I fucked around with at the time, which a lot of dudes did. She's like fully that chick. And she answered and she loved blow and she was just all fucked up. And I was like, yo, I'm in jail and like I need someone to get me out. And she's like, I can't deal with this. And I was like, then put someone on the phone that can. And my friend Stevie Hernandez, who's older than me, he's like, yo, dude, I'll come get you. And he, Stevie Hernandez was like someone that hung out at Sunset Saloon a lot. Uh, and yeah. yeah, he's older. We all looked up to him and stuff. And he came and got me out. And like, for that, I'm forever thankful. Yeah. He's like, yo, dude, just get my money. Make sure you show up at court. I'm like, yeah, dude, I got his money back. I was like so adamant. I'm like, yo, dude, when do I get that money back? You yeah. know what I mean? I got to give it to him, you know. And you never sweated me over it, but like I was like, I'm just like that. Like, I'm like, yo, dude, you got me out. That was cool, you know? Yeah. And then the other guy, once the shore patrol took him, like, he was the guy I fought with, he was like left by himself. Really? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's uh-huh. like later, like, no one came and got you. That's so <laughs> 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 Sorry about your luck. Do <laughs> you have any good uh, cocaine stories? Uh, only my f- friends because I don't I have never done blow so dude oh, good grew up you. in Venice my whole life and there's people that absolutely do not believe me with this shit but never done blow never done meth never done H obviously not fentanyl there's tons of shit I've never done acid like I have had a couple friends not come back and I'm like note to self fuck that shit oh really because I've had friends that like they, they got stuck you know mm-hmm. you're like yo dude that's like wow man like mushrooms was hard enough fucking you know like overdoing it that one time yeah you know what i mean fucking but i have a lot of blow stories of friends on blow but i have a really good one of a friend of mine this is another mushroom story but i so a bunch of us took mushrooms one day and i'm fuck i think two-tone was there i know wayne was there i'm not i can't remember if two-tone was or not it was like me ray wayne oh fucking canal rat and we're all going down the boardwalk and remember Shaba ranks yeah. yeah okay so it was right when he his shit came out that Shaba song right and this was the shit and it was like just hitting us and it was just like really beautiful day on the boardwalk and, we're just, and it was like really empty too it wasn't like a weekend we did it in the middle of the week and we're just and we're fucking cruising and he's like five feet ahead of us so we were catching the aftermath of what everyone would say as he would pass by. And it was literally like, like I'm going to get you sucker when homeboy's like wearing the pimp suit and yeah. everyone's bagging as he's walking. Dude, every person talks shit like fools are like, fuck that fall, knock that fool out. Man, fuck Shaba. And then like chicks, like, there's these fucking black chicks around, they're like, that fool thinks he's fine and shit. Fuck that fool, you know what I mean? <laughs> and we're like, Dude, homeboy's walking down the boardwalk like he's the man. Yeah. And we're like, yo, dude, like everyone's dogging on you. We're dying on what they're fucking saying. <laughs> we're like, nah, you know? So um, we end up meeting up with a friend of mine, another friend whose name I will not say. And he was not on mushrooms and ended up meeting us at my friend's pad. And he was just cracked out of his mind. And he was the most entertaining thing on earth. Because my friend had a door whose house we're at. You open the door and it was just a wall in front of it. It was the neighbor's wall. It was a partition wall, right? And you open the other door and you're looking down like a pathway to another like gate that's closed. And you could sort of see the street. This fool was on one just thinking like they're out there. The whole they're out there thing. And so he kept opening up the door where there's the wall. And I'm like, yo, dude. I'm like, you're like that commercial is the 
is the monkey going to fucking push the bell for the crackers? Are you push the bell for food? I go, do you keep pacing, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what are you looking for? And he's like, they're out there. And I go, man, I cannot wait for the day they get here because I'm going to look at them and be like, yo, motherfucker, I've been hearing about you guys from all my friends for a really long time, and I'm glad you exist because they're adamant that you're out there, you know? And he's like, fuck you, fool. And I was like, fuck you, dude. We're all on shrooms, and you're cracked out. Like, this ain't working right now, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of cocaine stories for sure, man. It's fucking it fucked Venice up, dude. It like did, it fu- uh, oh yeah, dude. People went way, way, way too big with that shit, dude. Lots of drama over it, especially chick drama. Like there's always like cocaine chick drama in Venice. Oh really? That's, yeah, fuck. That's like there's it's never ending. Is that what that you know the dude you were Bagel was just on that Von Dutch documentary? But, yeah. So the you know because like. Those dudes all, you know, everybody kind of want. They all want to make themselves look a little bit better. It seems. Yeah. yeah. Those dudes, but there's that that guy moved there. He was dealing coke, right? Yeah. So Mike's, yeah, Mike, uh, fucking. I mean, he's pretty open about it. He's yeah. In the documentary, so I guess I could say, but yeah, yeah, he he sold dope, and he slang pretty heavily, and he was. They got in the documentary. It was good that they, but when he was like, I was discreet, and everyone else was like, dude, he flaunted the shit out of it. Dude, he flaunted it like crazy, like, like super crazy, dude. You're like, yo, dude, no one has a Maserati in Venice. <laughs> like, and you don't look like a dude that drives a Maserati either. Like, you stand out so, and you got Jay with you in the passenger seat, you know? And Jay definitely doesn't look like he's in a Maserati, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, I mean, that's, he slayed until he got busted. And then he had Bronze Age. Yeah. And, you know, I guess you could say that was a front, <laughs> but you know, I and so I mean, how's this? I don't know that for a fact. It yeah. could, the money could have came from something legit, but I'm pretty sure it probably didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, that's what kick started his shit with that whole career of clothing and everything because it was it had a pretty big underground following you know to us living there yeah it was just like oh dude our friend has a clothing company he just kicks us down clothes yeah. but then we would see who he would give it to outside of Venice. Or like, oh, okay, he's trying to get it seen. And when, when the whole gangster look came out, when everyone was having like that, the denim, like Dre look, like Bronze Age jumped on that. And I think I told you this at Lollapalooza, he worked out a deal. Cause so here's, okay, really quick. The thing with Mike, what I said in the documentary is totally true. You've never seen anyone sabotage themselves harder than him. And I've seen, Shit tons of people sabotage themselves when I do that. It's, it's, you know, it's a pretty normal thing around there, including myself. Like, I do not point fingers. Like, I have sabotaged myself horribly with things. And Mike just has a knack for it. And he has a great six degrees of separation, like how you do. Yeah. And he knows how to put, connect the dots and connect people. And he is definitely, like, one of the best used car salesmen ever and I mean that like in a nice way some people just have that but it's like there's also the little sleaziness that comes to it mm-hmm. you know what I mean but then that's what makes them be able to lure people Yeah, he worked something out with Perry and this is before I ever worked for anyone in the music industry let alone Perry that he worked it out to get Mike Cassell plus 20 all three days at the first Lollapalooza <laughs> and my friends and I none of us had worked in the industry yet at all and we had no idea how to act on a stage. And we were 
absolutely the people that I fucking hate that I end up getting on my stage. And my karma for Lollapalooza forever will be like the fact that I'm a stage manager. Yeah. And I do <laughs> people like us. And fucking like I'm appalled. But like he hooked it up, dude. Fucking, and he had that connection. And he brought Perry the denim wear. And a Venice hat, and always sported that shit. And then he did the whole like this song goes out to the Venice boys. It did Ocean Size. It was like this. That was like the, really a big start of that connection. And we already knew Perry, but that really solidified like the the connection of Venice and Perry. You know, oh, and okay. James being a very prevalent prevalent. Is that the correct Prevalent. prevalent. Like, yeah, I write all these stories, and I'm like, yo, dude, I Google the word. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this is how I sound, man. Like, writing's like a whole different person. Fucking, um, but that's how that connection got really deep right there. Was That was the start of that. And that whole gangster look, like, Perry looked hard. Like, yeah. Perry had, like, straight a goatee, and I'm like, dude, Perry looks hard wearing that shit. You know what I mean? That wasn't his vibe, you know? And he had, like, a wife beater on it. He was playing that whole role, and I was like, Mike's onto something with this shit. But everyone was doing that then, but Mike pushed that part heavily. And because everyone where we grew up, it was all, you know, I've said this a thousand times, the top dogs, the gangster, the neighborhood, you know what I mean? For sure, the gangster's the top dog. And Sponto's the one who really honestly says that more than anyone. And I, and I have always thought it, he just words it that way. So I'm taking that from Chris, but Mike very much knew that and knew like that was going to be the shit to get like the little white kids that were not from those areas to want to buy that. Cause they were already listening to the music. They weren't supposed to be listening to that. Their parents didn't want them to listen to And he goes, Oh, they're going to love the fashion then. And like, dude, there was some money to be made on that. Yeah, it's sort of where I'm getting at with that whole thing. The, you know the Bronze Age shit was dope. Oh yeah, because it was it was it was like surf gangster skate. Yeah. You had like the perfect mix, so it was very much like that's what you know that's what we did already. You know, he yeah. was just making clothing out of it. You know what I mean? And then he got busted, and then I I don't think it ended after that because they kept it around when he was gone, and then it went away once he did Von Dutch. I remember Von Dutch happening. I remember him passing out the stickers. And I was like, what the fuck's this? Like, not being a dick, but just sort of like, what's Von Dutch mean? Like, I had no idea who the fuck Von Dutch was or any of that. And then that was about the time, like, we all sort of like, you didn't really see Mike that much anymore. Mike was sort of like doing shit other places. He wasn't really hanging out that much. Oh, okay. Um, I, I went to Mexico with Mike one time. Sorry about that. I burped in a weird way. <laughs> uh, and my old roommate, so my old roommate worked for him. And my old roommate was a real bad coke addict. I'm talking like everyday kind of shit. And this dude had shit tons of guns and every one of them was legal though. And he was, I'm like, yo, dude, you shouldn't have these guns. You're like just so skittish as it is and like overly paranoid. And I remember we went down to Max and fucking... My roommate at the time, Mike, was like, hey, if I buy you a bottle of Conan, will you take it? And Joey's like, fuck it. Joey would just do anything. He'd buy a bottle of Conan. That full pound of that shit, dude. And I was like, the fuck are you doing, dude? Guzzle, fucking poor guy, was like puking the whole night. We had to share a room together. And I'm like, damn, good going, Mike. You got them all tore up on some fucking Conan. Full stomach is like razor blades right now because it's Conan. He's just puking all night. It's fucking nuts, dude. There's some, I had a couple of good times with Mike. Me and him. Definitely butted heads uh, because 
I had friends that did things for him that I didn't do, so I had a major chip on my shoulder with him because of that, but there was a bunch of us in Venice that did. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like, yo, dude, you don't hold sway over us, like, because we don't do business with you. So, like, it's just, like, we know you as the homies, and, like, if you need to get put in check, you get put in check. Yeah. Like, I had to tell him I was going to break his jaw one time. And, oh, really? And And this is, okay, so I told this story in the, in the uh, documentary and it didn't make it in there, but fucking weird. This is a good story. We were at the uh, trade show in San Diego, the ASR and fucking, um, it was my friend, Soch, Joff and Danny. And Mike had rented the room for Danny and we had partied all night at like some fucking after party shit and we came stumbling in like at dawn and it was a brand new four star Ramada. I remember it was like brand new. I remember that like really like, oh man, I, I, I haven't seen this in years past. And it was right across the street from the convention center. And Sach and Danny, for whatever reason, it was probably because it just like tons of blow and fucking alcohol, got each other's nerves and they just started throwing down and me and Joff were like, well, we're just gonna let him do it, dude. You know, <laughs> yeah. just that's how you do it. And they beat the dog shit out of each other and destroyed the room. And security called, and Danny had picked up the phone. He's like, "Hello," and I don't know why he answered, but thank God he did. And he goes, "They were go- like, don't go anywhere. We're coming up." Danny's like, "We gotta go now. Security's coming." And we go like running down the hallways like the three stooges, like, whoop, 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 you know, but there's four of us knuckleheads. And fucking while we're doing it, I have a marker and I'm fucking hitting up all over the walls. It's all bagel, VBWL, Joff, VBWL, Sox, VBWL, Danny, VBWL. And I'm just fucking shit. I'm pounding on people's doors, the whole fucking deal. Like the just the most fucking fucked up, like terrorizing shit yeah. you could do just to be a dick. We get to the fucking... We go across the street. We instantly just duck into the trade show. And Mike comes running up. And he's like, you motherfucker. He comes up to me, the shortest dude out of all of them. Yeah. And comes up. He's like, you motherfucker. And I saw that it said Bagel VBWL. And I rented that room. And now I got to pay for it and this and that. And I remember thinking my little bit of rationale that I had was, Fuck this dude, because this is the shit this dude does constantly. And he pays people to do this. Like, he loved to instigate. Yeah. And he loved to pay people to do crazy shit. And I was like, there's no sympathy. Yeah. And so I was like, listen, do his shit. And then he goes, I'll call the cops, motherfucker. And I was like, I'll break your fucking jaw if you do that. And he knew I was dead serious, and he just stopped. And then I was like, why ain't you saying shit to them? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then he's like... Well, man, that is fucked up. You guys did that. I was like, yo, dude, like you straight out said you were going to call the cops on me. And that is just a no, no, motherfucker. I got real serious with this shit. Dude, I had a, a fucking thing like that. I hope I haven't told this before, but there's this, there's these brothers from Covina. You know, Covina is not much different than Venice. Oh, yeah. It's just like working class, fucking violence. I got friends I mean? from West Covina that, that I know from work that have become friends of mine over the years. And, like, their stories are classic as fuck. Dude, they're fucking, it's out of control. You know, just t- that typical, yeah. like, working class shit. But um, there's, this, this, there's eight brothers, right? And they are, fuck, these Greek brothers. And yeah, I, you told me about I told you about yeah. them, right? And, dude, so there's this. He was a he passed away. This rich kid from Glendora, the next city up, which would be the equivalent of like fucking Malibu to Venice, right? Yeah. So this dude, he moved to downtown Covina, right across the street 
from the police station. Like, if you go ac- literally across the street from the police station, it's the first house behind, like, a record store or something, right? And it, I'd met this dude, the guy from Glendora, you know, and, like, I would go over there and, like, you know, his parents helped him buy a house, the whole thing. And he had his wife, really sweet, and the kid and shit. But, you know, we're doing speed and all this. and But he starts, you know, fucking with these dudes, like our elders. You know what I mean? Like some of the dudes from, you know, like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, like dudes yeah. we're talking about. And But anyway, so I go over there one day, and um, Nick is there, this dude. And he's like, dude, he literally, he's like, I mean, just, he's built to fight. You know what I mean? And he, he had, like, his hair parted in the middle. He literally looked like a car thief on chips or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, never changed his hairdo because nobody could fucking say nothing yeah. about it. Like, he, I mean, he was fucking gnar. You know, eight brothers, they just grow up beating the fuck out of each other, Sorry. you know? But this one in particular, they're all treacherous, but this is the, Nick's the gnarliest. And I go up there one day, and Nick was there, and um, he had this girlfriend, this woman who, it was really weird. Like, you know, people have their different tweak shit, but she'd be like... Yeah, well, I'm a concert flautist and all this. And they lived in this, like, abandoned building that was, like, taken over by all these tweakers, you know, and they had their little sections. But I'm like, you're a concert. You know, I was like, what are you, you're a concert flautist. You know, I'm like, you're a fucking tweaker like us, right? But her get down was she liked to clean people's ears. Have I told this before? No. No? She, she that was, like, little, the thing that, like, she dug to do? Yeah, like, she'd be like... <laughs> Bagel, let me clean your ear. You know, if you had any sense, yeah. like, fuck no. You know, or, or at least try to get she out of it. I have an earwax fetish. Yeah, and she had a kit, like a thing she unrolled, Whoa. and it had little tools and shit. And she That's, like, way creepier to me than, like, whips and chains. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. I, would, I would look at her and be like, dude, you're psychologically fucked up, dude. Like, what's wrong with you? you know well, I mean? dude, I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a house, and some poor scap who's just, sap who's scared of Nick is like this. You know, and she's just yeah. digging in their ears. And so, you can tell the dude's horrified. Like, you know, hitting a speed bite, but just a head sideways. Oh, my God. So, anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. But they're over at, at this dude, Chris's house, the guy from Glendora, right? And I, I you know, like, I, I I was on speed, but, you know, like, I, I tried to get this guy. I go, listen, I go, I go, this is Kavina. It's a little bit different. You know, it's different here. Like, these... Because Nick and his girlfriend were over there. You know, other dudes, you know, and I'm like... Yeah. But I'm like, these... And Chris was cool, but he was a... Pretty treacherous dope fiend, you know what I mean? Like, and um, and I said, um, and Nick and them were over there, and they were hanging out, and I was like, I go, just be careful, man. It's like, you know, this is like, there's some dangerous dudes, you know what I mean, around here. So, I don't know, a week goes by or something, and I go by Chris's, and he's like, hey, and something, I'm not even kidding you, like, Chris, because just because tweakers like shiny shit, this woman had given her flute, to Chris to sell, or maybe Chris was supposed to give her money for, I don't know what happened, but the, the flute went missing. That's one thing. Her boyfriend, Nick, is a whole nother fucking ballgame. And I'm over there, and he goes, yeah, fucking, you know, I got this flute. I go, where's the fucking flute? And he goes, well, I sold, you know, I'm like, dude. And he goes, he goes, Nick's mad at me. I go, dude, this is bad fucking news, man. You gotta oh, man. fucking figure this out. Like, I've known him since I was a kid, you know what I mean? Like, and I was like, trust me, you know, dude. And he, he just didn't think it was that big of a deal. So, dude, it's broad daylight. It's like a Tuesday at fucking noon. And there's a knock at the door. I open the fucking door, and Nick's like, where's Chris, right? And, I like, Chris steps to the door. And Nick, I, standing six inches from him, Nick's foot flies up and hits this dude in the face oh. and just levels. I mean, he's this close to <laughs> That's he's, rad. He's super athletic, like Eric we were talking about. Yeah. He's like that dude. And he just fucking, wow, where's the fucking... And I'm like, oh, my God. The dude gets up and runs out, right? Broad daylight, and he's running towards the police station. 
police, police. And I was like, yo, what the fuck <laughs> oh, are you no. doing, dude? Yeah, dude. And, I'm, oh, no. and I'm like, Nick, get the fuck out of here, man. Like, this dude's, and I'm like, yeah. dude, and I just bounced, right? But I'm like, dude, and I go back, because his wife was really sweet, you know, mm-hmm. and I said, look, I go, you got to go to your fucking parents or something. I'm like, this is fucking bad news and uh, I mean there's no great moral to that story yeah. I was just like the moral is don't yell police don't yeah. ever yeah, yeah. Fuck. like if yeah. you're in a situation that you know just shut the fuck up and handle it yeah man. just like, handle it you know what I mean it was like it was really weird there's also a house a couple doors down from there where me and my friend he goes hey let's go pick up this guy James right who was a guy who cooked speed and it was the weirdest thing I mean cause I'm telling bagel I mean like within fucking four houses from the police station literally like, you could walk to the police station in a minute. Mm. And I'm like, these dudes are cooking meth in a, in a fucking basement that close uh, to the house. It was fucking wild. I had a friend that used to love to be like, tweaker beef gets really weird. And he would just <laughs> tell me all these weird adventures he would go on. And I'd be like, holy fuck. And dude, he used to have the, he used to say the best shit. What's up with Spun? He goes, I begged him to watch it. And his exact words to me were like, that's the beginning of the night. <laughs> and I was like, you're the shit, dude. Like, I can't believe you said that. Like, he just was all, anyway, dude. That's like fucking small potatoes. You know? Oh, dude. It, the fucking drama is wild. Oh, that's crazy. like, that's I, crazy. I always notice, like, any of my friends that did Tweak, once they were sober from Tweak, or just sober in general, they always were like, dude, it's not even the tweak, it's the drama you're like super fucking yeah. addicted yeah. Oh, to. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. like, especially the chick shit. And I yeah. would just be like, wow, man, that's so weird. Like, holy uh, fuck, you guys are just so bizarre with, with that shit. You dude, know what I mean? It's I, a lifestyle. It's that whole, yeah, fully, like, yeah, totally, the totally. Whole, yeah, oh, and yeah. the other thing I noticed between coke addicts and tweakers is it's almost like, you have the you have the, the vampires that can't go out in the dark, and then you have the hybrid ones that can go out in the light, and they don't burn. <laughs> Tweakers don't give a fuck what time of day it is. <laughs> They're like, oh, dude, 12 noon bright? Like, <laughs> don't give a What, there's 20 cops? Who gives a fuck? And Kogak's like, oh, my God, I need the closet. I'm fucking freaked out. <laughs> like, I was those Tweakers are a little bit more charismatic, too. Like, <laughs> they're definitely, like, more funny. I mean, it's so fucked up to say. I mean, it sucks because I've had friends that's ruined their lives, but I got to say that there was moments, too, that... And I was like, dude, that might have been the funniest fucking one-liner I've ever heard. Like, oh. how in the fuck are you that witty right now? But well, but it's because they were tweaked out of their yeah. gorge. Oh, yeah. You know, you don't want to be like, that's rad. Because you're like, yo, dude, you're going to ruin your life. But, uh, dude, that was funny what you said. <laughs> you know, Dude, I used to, I had this, I don't know if I ever told you this, Danny, but I had this thing, like, because I, I couldn't stand being cooped. You know, I'd be in a house partying mm-hmm. people, but then I'm like, I got to go somewhere else or go to a thrift store or, you know, a yard sale or whatever. But, um, and I was always down to do whatever. So it was like three in the morning and we needed denatured alcohol. And there was a 24 hour Walmart in San Dimas. Right. And we're in like fucking Rancho Cucamonga and shit. And somebody's like, we really need this denatured alcohol. And I'm like, I'll get it. And I would say this, like, and they're like, you sure? I go, I'm in this for the risk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I like the chase. You know what I mean? Like, and I went with this fucking weird, like, tweet. I don't know why. Maybe, I don't know if he drove. I don't know why. But we go there to the Walmart. Maybe I didn't tell him what I was doing, you know? But, dude, I'm literally, like, I have a cart with the shadiest shit. Red Devil Lie. Denatured alcohol. Jesus, ac- or maybe dude. it was acetone. 
But you know, just all this shit, and it's like fucking three in the morning. Just random like, shit. Yeah, like fucking like, and then like some, you know, those tool shelving systems with the pegboards. Yeah, uh-huh. dude. I did, there was like some clearance section. I'm like, oof, I had nowhere to even put it. Right. And I'm like, I gotta get that. <laughs> Yo, dude, that wrench is only a dollar. Yeah, like, I'm fucking, I need that shit. This dude. So hey, hold on. This guy that's calling me right there. Yeah, he's the one who him in the leg. Oh, he, he, right. That's, that's who, who did oh, that. Oh, shit. I had to just show you that real quick. Um, I have my, 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 my friend, my friend who beat me up and made me go to rehab. I have a story of him like that. But that's a good friend. They, yeah. yeah they, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's a legit <laughs> real friend. Like, the most I've ever done is, like, really chastise someone. I'm like, you're really fucking up and you got to think about your kid, this and that. And, you know, but, like, probably, like, cracking someone in the job might wake him up a little better. You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? Like, motherfucker, now we ain't kidding. You know what no, I mean? No, they put him on me. But he, he like, <laughs> I mean, put him on me. Like, but he, uh, they were at this house. I don't remember. They were dealing some sort of drugs out of it. And they're all essays, you know. But um, one of their friends, he's all fucked up on, on Sherm or something. And he's like, I can't remember. He was with another friend of ours, but he was like, I'm going to sneak up on that house. And the other dude's like, you shouldn't do that, man. Like, them dudes are serious. And, dude, he's, like, creeping across the backyard. But they had fucking um, cameras. And Tony went out and fucking, pop, shot him in the oh. leg. He gave him a ride to the hospital. I was like, damn, you shot your friend in the leg? He's like, shouldn't have been creeping around. Man, <laughs> it's all dude. It could have been anybody. You know what I mean? Oh. Yeah. That's another one. I've never done Sherm. Like, that, too. Like, I've watched people on Sherm. I'm like, okay. You definitely can't fuck on it. Like, yeah. my whole thing was always like, isn't the end result of the night when you're a young, single guy, you're trying to get laid, like, at least 99% of that time? And then if, like, there was always the, like, okay, it didn't happen, let's get into a fight because now yeah. you're pissed off or whatever. <laughs> like, that, that was always, like, the fucking, that's always how it would go down. But then, like, there was also the drugs that I would look at where, like, every one of my friends would always go, like, dude, I got coke dick. I couldn't fuck. I'm like, well, you know, uh, Don't, uh, why would I on do top that, of yeah. not wanting to be paranoid and miserable and feeling like I did something really horrible. Like, all my friends would look like they want to cry the next morning. I was like, no one got laid. And, like, the chicks all look super tore up. I'm like, dude, you went from a 10 to a 1 in, like, fucking the matter of four minutes. Like, there's something about chicks when they do blow how their hair just gets blown yeah, out. Oh, so you're like, yeah. you look like you got fucked by 50 dudes and no one's touched you, you know, because all those dudes got coked in. And then Sherm was the other one because Sherm, like, fools would just get locked up. And I'm like, you can't do anything on that. Fools are just locked up. You know what yeah, I mean? You're like, not fighting. You're not yeah, fucking. You're not, you're not you're doing, not doing nothing, anything, yeah. dude. You're yeah. just standing there. You know what I mean? H, everyone's nodding out, and I'm yeah. like, I mean, I don't know. It looks like something could maybe happen on that, but it would be really slow, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then the only thing I've ever heard about Tweak is this, this has always been the thing that fucking guys I knew would always say, they're like, chicks get super horny on it. You know, like, it's just the wrong thing. But then the end result of the guy getting laid was always like, and then I jacked off for, like, fucking 20 hours after because I couldn't shoot a load. And oh, I'm man, like, man, Lawrence, that's brutal, dude. Like, holy that. fuck. Oh, yeah, yeah, Bagel don't know about La- oh, Lawrence man. was into this shit called edging. You know what that is? No. Dude, it's where you, all right. So basically you're about, you're fucking, you're fucking rubbing one out. You're whacking it, right? And you get to fucking, you're right about to bust and you stop. And then you're right about to fucking you go, 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 go. And then you're right about to bust. And then you stop. You just torture you're yourself. Building, you're torturing yourself. Oh, it's yeah. insane, Look, dude. your fucking ears is perked up. Look, here you come. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you go, and then you fucking, you know, and then you stop. Lawrence did it. How many hours? 72, 72 hours. hours yeah. 72 hours. Yeah. Straight? Straight. 
Dude, yeah, like, <laughs> yes, that's what's <laughs> fucked up. Like a bunch of my friends are the, were those guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I had a friend. I went to his pad one morning. I fucking stayed up all night with an ex girlfriend, like just drinking, and we're like, let's go check up on him. And he opened the door. He goes, "Oh, it's only you guys." And that it was like before streaming. And he had all these DVDs out. And he's like, "Dude, I've been trying to rub one out." He's like, and his wife was like gone work. He's like, "Whoo!" He's like, "I thought it was her, man." And thank God it's just you guys. And every one of the fucking things was open. He's like, "Dude, I even started watching the bad parts, and it's not doing anything for me." And I'm like, "What the fuck, dude?" I'm like, "That's horrible, man." Have you ever been to Crystal Meth? No, no, never. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Hey, do you have any stories like Venice Beach uh, for, like, Gold's Gym? No. Do you know anything about that shit at all? No, okay, no, just, hell no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I just, like, fuck, it was both the original one and the, this is, like, the closest. Here, actually, I, but Keith has to hear this. Yes, mm-hmm. I do. Fuck, I take that back. I have a funny-ass fucking story. Keith, here, Keith, Keith you'll love this shit, dude. Can we take it for the okay. guy? Yeah. So... The original Golds is right up the street from my pad. The newer one that's now pretty old is right down the street as well, going the, going north. Gold's the other gym. one's west, yeah. So I used to work at the firehouse right down the street on Rose in Maine. And uh, I used to bartend there. And it was a real, and I think it still is, a really popular place with all the people at Gold's Gym. And I didn't know, like, about anything about, like, people's routines where they worked out or this and that until I started working there. And I noticed like there was a bodybuilder breakfast and it was like buckwheat pancakes and like, you know, 10 egg whites and like all this like protein stuff. And these dudes would just come in all day and eat it. And I'm like, what the fuck? And they're like, Oh, that's what they do. They like work out, they eat, they go work out more. And it's like all this power food. And, and this is like when roids was off the charts. Uh, you know what I mean? This is like early what I, I was 23. So like 93, right? And fucking, no one ever tripped on me. Everyone was pretty cool. No one ever did the crazy steroid thing. And then finally, one day, this guy that came in all the time who was super cool to me, and he was your typical, like, Euro dude that had sort of the Schwarzenegger accent. He had this super hot blonde trophy-like girlfriend. And me and him always got along. The guy always tipped me killer, this and that. And it was just us three. And I was like behind the bar, like I was cutting lemons and limes and I had this big old knife and he was eating at a table. He wasn't even at the bar. And he looked at me and he goes, what do you keep looking at? And I was like, nothing. And I wasn't, I was like just cutting lemons and limes and he kept pushing it and wouldn't fucking stop. And he's like, are you looking at my lady? Are you fucking looking? I was like, nah, dude, I didn't look at it. Like, what are you tripping on? And he wouldn't stop. And I finally was like, wh-? and I was at work, like, totally ready, like, absolutely down to lose my job. I was like, what, motherfucker? You think you're fucking crazy? And I just hopped over the bar with the knife, and I fucking chased him out of the restaurant. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> and told him I was going to kill him. This dude was like 500 pounds of pure muscle, dude. And I was like, motherfucker, the like What's going on? I was like, this dude threatened me and he fucking kept talking shit. Fuck that. And they fully let me keep my job. They're like, yeah, he's done that to other people before. And my man, the manager was like, dude, these guys are roided out. They trip. I go, none of them have ever tripped on me though, dude. But like, man, homeboy snapped. And they like, the dude apologized to me like weeks on end. He felt so horrible for it. And I just, I never talked shit, but I always wanted to be like, it was the roids, right? Like, they finally got to me. You know? 
But dude. I went nuts, dude. I was like, I was going to kill that, dude. I sort of, and that knife was gigantic, dude. Oh, I just went full fucking blah, like nuts on it. There was fucking, um, I don't know if you, before that firehouse, because I live in Venice during the L.A. riots. I live on Thornton yeah. Speedway there. And, but that, this is before that firehouse restaurant was there. Did no, no, no. The firehouse was there. Was it? Yeah, for sure it was there. Yeah. What year did that open? I don't know. We'd have to Google that shit. But it's the original Venice Firehouse. It's the right? original Venice Firehouse. And so check this out. What wasn't there was the bar. The oh. bar got added. The firehouse was the other half of it. That had been there for years. Where was the firehouse? Where was, where was it's, it's on Rose in Maine. It's still there. Mm. And the they made a bar side. And the bar side's pretty cool. And it was like you get the same menu and everything like that. And then obviously you could drink. I worked there. <laughs> One of the worst days I ever had at work that like almost completely broke me was when the earthquake happened, the Northridge quake, and I was like, dude, there's there's no way that they're going to have me coming to work. Everything's broken. Fuck it. Everything we have is delicate glass. It was like a bottle of tequila and like a glass fell. And they're like, you're coming in, dude. And there was no restaurants open at all on the west side. Like Everything was shut down because the earthquake. Everyone was all freaked out. And everyone and their mother came to the firehouse because they knew it was open and no one wanted to be home. And we were telling people like a solid hour to an hour and a half to even think of getting food. And they're like, cool, we'll just have drinks. And it was like just people barking at me all day long. And I was like, man, I've never like dealt with it coming in like this before. <laughs> it was just like, I need this. I need that. I need, what do you mean an hour and a half? I'm like, yo, dude, we just have a fucking earthquake, motherfuckers. <laughs> like, kick back, be cool. My, my roommate at the time, lived in the back room and my kids mom and I were together at the time and he hadn't come home and he had stayed out all night and we had heard some crazy noise in his room and his whole like coffin for his DJ setup and all the records had flown off exactly where he would have been sleeping on his bed like he would have got fucked up dude it was uh. crazy man that was nuts. But yeah, those fuckers made me come in. It was like, I was like, I got off work and I had made, and especially then, I had made a, like over a thousand in tips. And I was like, oh my God, I've never made that much money before. Holy shit. And I remember thinking like, but my sanity and soul is lost. Like, I hate the human race. Everyone's a pile of fucking shit that orders food, man. You know? Uh, uh, it's was fucked up. What's the craziest thing? Oh, the pizza guy. The pizza. Wait, I got one. Uh, I got one real quick while we got. Because you reminded me of this fucking uh, of the San Diego thing. You know, let's wait for the dog. And fucking... Hey, do you, you guys? Do you guys know Peter Dante? I don't think like so. I would figure like Keith, you would know him. All right, it I, sounds familiar. All right, I got. I have a after this story, I have a good party story. I thought right, of. Cool. It's pretty funny shit, man. So you reminded me of this. Uh, with the San Diego fucking thing. So when I was like 16 or, I mean, fuck, maybe, maybe 16, 17, I dated this girl, Shelly. Um, maybe, maybe, whatever, you know, it don't matter. I was working for, I had already started working for Chris Bliss because he was like, he kind of put me on to like fucking music festivals and he put me on to like a yeah. lot of like different, you know, he like put us on to fucking like, onto fucking like reggae, not like Bob Marley. Like, you know, like he put us on to like Toots and the Maytals. Like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, he, was, like, yeah, you know, like yeah. he was like that dude for us, you know, where I was like, oh, cool. He's like, like oh, you know. like Bob, but like check out these Yeah, dudes, exactly, you know? yeah. yeah. I don't even think we like, like you know, like we just like smoking weed. It was like, just yeah, the music totally. went fucking great with it, you know. <laughs> and he put us onto a bunch of shit and, um, and he was like, dude, and he took us to like reggae on the river, you know. We went. Yeah. And I don't. I think Bry went with us the first year we all went, you know. And uh, that's cool. And uh, and then and then there was uh, 
there was this this San Diego fucking festival called Street Scene. They used to. Oh yeah, I went to that a bunch of yeah. times, dude. That and it was, was and they would shut down the fucking yeah, street, dude. and it would just that thing was go legit, off. man. Dude, they it used was, to get real yeah. acts at that thing. Oh man. yeah, and, and it was like it was dope, and it was and I'd never really been to like maybe with my parents or something like drove through there, went to La Jolla or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. even if that even you know like I didn't know what the fuck San Diego was about, and uh, he was like, dude, he's like, you guys got. He's like, I can't make it out, but you guys got to go. To this show, it's in San Diego. It's called Street Scene, you know. And and I remember the lineup because it was like Ben Harper, Jack Johnson, Toots and the Maytals, a few of the like the Marley Brothers played. Like it was like it was tight, you know. Um, oh yeah, it was a fucking great. Like it was, you know, like at that I'm 16, you know, like like fucking life's good and uh and me and my friend Mark, who was kind of like my fucking like my bra, you know, like he was like the dude that was like I did everything with this dude, you know, like yeah. he, like everything, like he was like my brother, you know. He was also like the first dude I I knew that like died from fucking from drugs, you know, that like if uh, you know like he would like but everything like we worked together, we like everything, you know. But I didn't roll anywhere with him, so so we go down there for the festival, and we're like we're just gonna go for Friday, you know. And we go and like we get down there and we get into the festival and we're like. We eat some mushrooms, and I fucking meet some girl, and I'm fucking... I don't even know what she looks like, because I'm so fucking high on mushrooms, but I remember, like, going into it, she looked kind of hot from a distance, you know, and, like, and my friends are like, dude, she's the hottest fucking... Like, they're stoked, so I'm stoked off of it, you know, and uh, and we go, and we were going to leave that night, and I'm like, we got to get a room, you know, we got to get a room somewhere and stay, like, we're going to stay for Saturday for the fucking, you know, for whatever the second day is, and we go, and... uh and I like, and you know, and, and none of us had, like, we're 16, you know, like, I don't even know how we got down there. Like, somebody had a car that drove us, you know, it was like four of us. And, uh, and we get down to, and like, there was a Holiday Inn in San Diego that like, or maybe it was even a Holiday Inn Express, you know? And I was like, all right, I was like, I'm going to get us a room, you know? And you know, like, when you're fucking, you know, like, when you got that thing when like, nobody can convince you otherwise, you know? I don't yeah, have yeah, a yeah, yeah. card. I don't have, like, I maybe have two, like, Chris Bliss would pay us in cash, you know? So every Friday he would pay us 500 bucks a week fucking cash and to us like that was like the fucking jackpot because we would sit around we'd make edibles we'd fucking smoke all day i was kind of like in charge of all the fucking of all the kids you know like i would bring all my homies and they would work for us you know he had that (laughs) little spot um he had one spot on brooks that was like that house you know and then the before that he had that that fucking apartment off of that that same spot that brian lived in on wavecrest and fucking yeah yeah that fucking in the blue building you know that's where stessic and um Mel lived. They lived upstairs. And really? Then, yeah, that Aaron, Marie, and Marissa lived wow, in no yeah, their apartment. <laughs> no way. <laughs> wow. That complex was dope. Yeah, dude, it was rad. And uh, and like when I, I kind of like ran away from home and lived, you know, like was like just moved in with him there. So we're in San Diego, and um, we're in San Diego, and I and I get that thing where I'm like, I need to fucking, you know, like I got this chick, like it's we're having the best time ever, like I got to get a room, you know, and uh, and I had this fake ID. And no debit card, you know, I had some cash because Chris would pay us in cash. It was like Friday and I just got 500 bucks. Mark just got 500 bucks. Like, we're set, you know, like we're fucking, we got like a bunch of buds. We, and, and whenever we would go to any of these things, like Chris would always be like, dude, take all these edibles, take all these chocolate bars and sell them, you know? Like he would be like, I, I could pay you in cash, and he, but he never had the cash, you know? He's like, but I could pay you in bud or fucking chocolate bars. Yeah. And you get like three <laughs> times what you would make in cash. But also, like, that didn't exist at that point. Like, there was no, like, there was three or four dispensaries in L.A. So to get these fucking edibles, like, they were wrapped in cool fucking labels and, like, it looked legit. You know, we had Reefer's peanut butter cups and fucking yeah, 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 bars yeah, yeah, and all yeah, this dude, shit, that, you know? Like, he yeah. made the cool ass shit. the coolest dude, shit. Yeah. Um, we would go down there and, like, we, we, would, we couldn't get through the fucking parking lot without selling out of everything. And, like, we would turn 500 into, like, three grand, you know, yeah, all of a sudden. Yeah, totally. So we're set. 
and I, and, I, and I see like a Holiday Inn Express. I got this chick. I'm trying to like bring her back to somewhere, and I, I don't even, I don't even have anywhere to take her back to, you know. And uh, we walk in, and I'm like, hey, uh, I, I want to get a room, and I and I'm the only one out of all of us that has a fake ID, even, you know. And then I walk in, and um, and the name on this fake ID was fucking uh, Tapio Christopher Snars, right? When I like, I won't forget because it was the fucking Holy most absurd fuck, name ever, dude. you know, like the Tapio Chris. So K R I S Snars, you know. And I walk in, and I swear to God, to this day, I've I've never had an ID that looked more like me than this fucking no thing way. did. Yeah. And I walk in, and I go, Hey, can we get a room? And everything's booked up. You know, it's a fucking festival. And they go, Yeah, we got one room. And oh, no, we, we walked into the Holiday, and they were like, There's a new Holiday Inn Express that just opened. It's right over there. Like you can see it. It's in the bay or whatever. And uh, there's one room there. Do you want it? And I go, Sure. And I go like, We need to put a card on file. And I go, I don't have a card. I got cash. And they're like, No, sorry, we can't. And I was like, Hey. How much do you need me to put, fucking, you know? And they're like, all right, 200 bucks. The room's 200 bucks. Put a $200 deposit down, you know? And I'm like, oh, fuck, I can do that, you know? And I put the deposit down. And we end up just fucking partying, you know? We're inviting everybody back from the street. We're fucking coming in there. We're fucking raging, you know? And, like, and I didn't even know, like, room service. Like, I'm learning all this stuff, you know? And, like, we started, there were, like, we find the book in the room. We're like, dude, we can get room service. And we start ordering beers because I got the fucking thing, you know? And we're like... Let's get fucking 10 Heinekens. Let's get 20. Let's get fucking 40, you know? And we just start ordering and ordering and ordering. Not really. We're fucking high out of our minds. And uh, we don't realize how much we're running up the fucking the tab on this thing, you know? <laughs> and then so then the next day we go back and we go and we see fucking Jack Jump. Whatever, you know? Like, Jeff, we're so stoked. We're like, fuck, dude, this is the best like time we've ever had. We're all in ecstasy and whatever. And uh, we get back to the room and, uh, and we're like, fucking, let's get more, you know? And Mark's like... And we're like tripping and we've been awake for however long. We're ordering beers and then uh, and we see waffles on there. And he's like, dude, let's get waffles. And I'm like, let's get fucking <laughs> 20 orders of waffles. You know, we're like, hey, 20 orders. They're bringing like, and like they, they just start coming up with the little carts. And they're like waffles and waffles and waffles. And we're like, dude, how many fucking waffles do we get? You know, and, uh, and then the security bangs on the door. And they're like, hey, they're like, we got a, uh, they're like, you guys know how much you've ran up this fucking room, right? Like, you know how much you, you owe? And I'm like, no, I don't know. like no clue, you know? And I remember them being like, well, we need a card on file. We need you to pay this right now, like, because we don't have a card on file. And being like, what? You know, like, what the fuck are you talking about? They're like, yeah, we need you. And they fucking bust out. And it's like, I mean, I, I think if I don't, you know, if I, if, I think it was like somewhere like around the $7,000 fucking, oh, you know, dude. which we didn't fucking have, dude, you know. Especially that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But God, also, that's like a million dollars. Yeah, literally, you know. But also... <laughs> And this room isn't tied to any of us, you know? Like, yeah, don't yeah, yeah. out nothing. It's fucking Tapio, you know? Tapio is the one no, that dude, fucked it's Tapio. Mr. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're like, all right. Um, so they're like, hey, we need you to come down and pay for this right now. And I fucking go, all right, I'll, I'll be right down. You know, they're like, no, no, no. Right now, we need you to come down. I was like, okay, I'm coming down. And I literally look back at Mark, and I'm like, motherfucker, like, you better get all of our shit and get it out of here. Fully, you know? dude. And we go down, and I like, I don't even have a debit card, you know? And there was like an ATM in the fucking... In the like downstairs, you know, I was like, oh, I gotta hit the ATM for seven grand, like, and thinking I'm getting out on these motherfuckers, you know? And they're all standing there over me, like the manager, and I see like my homies, like peripheral, like I see the car pull up, you know, and uh, and I'm like, I'm like, oh wait, I got the wrong card, it's in the car, like I gotta come outside. And they're like, you need to do this right now, you need to take, you know? And I'm like, all right, yeah, sure. And I just fucking run out and I just jump in the car and I'm like, fuck you, fucking motherfucker. Oh, and I jump yeah, in and Mark's yeah. like, hey, he's like. I fucking, he's like, dude, he's like, we had, and because, you know, we were all Tagger kids, he's like, 
I fucking on the way out, I fucking caught her, I fucking caught her, you know, I like fucking did throwies in the room, oh, you know, yeah, just dude. fucked the whole thing up, smashed the window, you know. Got it. we let him know. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? You know? Dude, well, we got out of there and dipped, you know. Dude, you gotta do that yeah, shit you when you're to. young because you, have you, to. you know, you can't really do that when you're older. No. So I'm like, yeah, man, like you're all I don't like those people that probably would listen to this and be like, That's so fucked up. You're like, Yeah, dude, but when you're in your teens and twenties, like that's just the dumb shit you do, you know? <laughs> yeah. Some people carry it a little further maybe a little later in life but like you know that's when you do the fucking up you know mm-hmm. like I wouldn't tell my kid to do that ever <laughs> but I would definitely tell like my friends sons and nephews like yo dude yeah you're in your 20s who gives a fuck you know yeah <laughs> fucking um, two friends of mine little Fern and Joff we went to go surf Magoo military base one time and fucking uh we surfed Caligas, which is like the river mouth part of it. It's not really like Pelican Point up the way. And for like about a whole week, a lot of people were surfing it and just sort of getting away with it. And we're like, well, the military doesn't do anything. We're just going through the bob wire. You walk through the swampland and go surf it. And like, we got it pretty fun. And so we're like, hey, man, let's go. My friend Fern hadn't surfed it yet. And me and Joff had. We're like, hey, dude, there's always waves there. It'll be fun as shit. It was flat the whole way up. We're like, oh, but there's always waves there. We get there, it was like one foot. They were like <laughs> swamp fucking water, the whole deal with our wetsuits on. We go out, we catch like two waves, it's all shitty. We're like, ah, whatever, it's a wash, let's just fucking go back. We trek through the swamp, we get back to Joff's mom and dad station wagon, and fucking the military guys pull up, the short patrol guys, and they're like, hey guys, what's up, what are you doing? And we're just like, uh, you know, we went surfing, and we're just sort of playing it off like it's no big deal. And they're like, you know, you shouldn't be there. And we're like, oh yeah, but we've been coming all week, and so have a bunch of other people, we just thought it was okay. And we just like played it cool, and they're like, all right. So they're like, what's your guys' names? So I go, my name is John Katz. And fucking Fern goes, I'm Jose Perez. And then Joff goes, I'm Leif Seligson. Now, Jose Perez, Jose Perez and Leif Seligson are two friends of ours. And it, Fern looked like, because he's Fernando Manzanilla, could get away with saying that he's Jose Perez. But Joff Drinkwater cannot get away with saying that he's Leif Seligson, because my friend Leif Wait, looks... What is Joff's name? Look, Joff, Joff Drinkwater. Drinkwater. Jo- Joffael Drinkwater. Okay. And Leif Seligson, Joff is half black and half Native American. And looks nothing like a Norse god, like my friend Leif. <laughs> and Joff also, especially, he's gotten better definitely the older he's gotten with this. But and I say this because we've told the story a hundred times. I'm not dogging like this story's known. But he fucking like didn't spell all that well back then either. And I'm just like, mm, that was an interesting choice of person's name to use at least i use a fake ass name and i just yeah. went with cats going well it's my grandpa's last name and i'll remember john you know what i yeah. mean so they take polaroids of us and they're like they write the names on the polaroids and they're like all right dude like whatever like we don't give a shit and they call it in and the headquarters is like do they have id and they're like no and they're like bring him in just in case and we're like oh damn dude so we get in this van and they take us to the base and we're like whoa we're going we're getting the full ride through the shit that we've never seen before like we had no idea these buildings existed and like bunkers and all that shit and they take us in and the whole way the guys explain they're like look here's the deal this is just like our job we had nothing to do today we only like we've been watching all you guys all week but we you know we just sort of picked you guys because it was just you guys 
And so we're like, let's do something. They're like, the person you got to worry about is the sheriff, the, the local Oxnard sheriff. He's mean. And we're like, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, we don't give a fuck. And the sheriff comes in. He's this, like, gnarly Mexican sheriff, like, looks mean. And he just sits down. And he's just looking as, like, I already know you guys are totally full of shit. And so Fern had a wife beater on. And he's like, okay, Jose Perez. He's like, uh, where are you from? I live in Venice. Okay. Uh, you know, just ask some random questions. Then he looks at me and goes, what's that scar on your chest? It looks pretty new. And he goes, yeah, I got into a barroom brawl recently and someone stabbed me. And he goes, really? He's like, was there an incident report? And he goes, yeah, because I had to go to the hospital and get stitches. And he goes, so if I call Pacific Division, fucking they're going to let me know that there's a Jose Perez. My father went to the hospital, blah, 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 blah. Just broke him down. He's like, my name's uh, Fernando Manzanilla. He just <laughs> gave himself up. He's just like, fuck. Like, this dude's just, is just going to be relentless. So Joff had, I guess, outstanding warrants at the time. And I didn't know that. And... Fucking the sheriff looks at me and goes, okay, John Katz. He's like, where do you live? I go, fucking, you know, 23rd and Pacific, blah, 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 blah. You know, okay, Leif Seligson, where do you live? Oh, I live on Palms, blah, 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 Okay. And then he's like, he's like, John Katz, spell John Katz. I spell John Katz. And he looks at Joff and he goes, he's like, spell Leif Seligson. And I cringed, <laughs> like, just cringed. I was like, Oh, it's the worst case scenario. <laughs> like, fuck. And Job goes, L E I F. And he sort of fumbles around, doesn't know if the I should go first. Like, I uh, goes back and forth. And he's like, spell Seligson. And I was like, we're done, dude. And I cringed even harder. And he's all, S E L I G, son. And he's like, S U N or S. O-N. And I think Lay spells it like it's S-H-U-N. It's like the like the Nordic spelling. And he's all, S-U-N? But like with a question. Like a question. <laughs> and I look at the cop and I just go, check this out, man. Call my mom and she'll vouch for us right now. And I go, just call her at work. She'll totally vouch. And I was still living at home. And I think we we're like 17. It was right before we were graduating. I know it was like later in high school. And I'm thinking like, my mom's totally going to vouch for us, fully let us off. Like, she's going to fucking, yeah, mom. And my mom is uh, is very much a law-abiding citizen. You know what I yeah. mean? She definitely, I didn't learn any of my bad habits from my mom <laughs> whatsoever. She's also not like a goody-goody. Like she knows what's up with things, but she also is like someone that wouldn't tell me to go trespass on a military base to go surf. And fucking, he comes back in, he goes, well, Josh Klassman and Joff Drinkwater, nice to meet you. And Joff looks at me and goes, dude, your mom just, like, fucked me up. I have outstanding warrants. And I'm like, what? And I look at the guy, and he goes, check it out, man. The only reason why I'm even going to let you idiots go is because your mom was really nice over the phone. And he is like, you guys are fucking idiots for trying to pull this over on me. I burned you guys. You burned yourself by having fucking me call your mom. Like, he's just dogging us. We go and we take fucking, like, legit fucking uh, mug uh, shots. Yeah. And... He takes us back into the room. He gets the shots back, and he just clouds us, and he f holds up the Polaroid. Look, look, I'm stoked. I'm going home. Oh, not so fast. It holds up the mugshot. <laughs> and just totally clowned us as much as he could to get it in. And he goes, and this was at that time, and he goes, 
next time you do this, it's mandatory six months in county. And he goes, and um, it's like a $2,000 fine or something, whatever it was then. And so the guys, the military guys, took us back to the car. They were dying. They're like, we told you, man. We're like, and we were like in awe of the guy. We're like, damn, that dude was a genius. He just like fully just fucked us all up, like that motherfucker. And they were like, yeah, but like you had to call your mom. You had to have known your mom was going to vouch you. I go, bullshit. I fully thought she had me. I got home. I was like, I can't believe you did that. She goes, I can't believe you thought I was going to fucking lie for you, dude. She goes, you and Joff are idiots. She's all, he described Joff to a fucking T, dude. And she goes, that's his friend Joff. That's the one he always gets into trouble with. No. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, classic, dude. Dude, that's amazing. Uh, Joff was my one. He was the one that, like, all the worst bad shit I've ever gotten into most was always with him. You know, he was fucking like, classic. Yeah, that was fucking a funny one, dude. Dude, I that had fucker. A, one time I was in Delano Prison, and it's this 270 yard, you know, so it's like a half of a moon shape, right? And there's a cop in the guard tower, right? And we had this, uh, we, we had this one cop um, named Geronimo, right? And he was... I can't even say he was a dick, but he was super serious. You know, he wouldn't let anything slide. And um, and so we're in there, and there's, I think you know, I don't know if you know the dude, Danny, but this guy, because years later I ran into him at Impact, but he's this giant, he's like 6'3", this guy named Mike Singleton. Mm. And he was this giant white cholo from White Fence, right? And he was pretty funny, but he was like just too, like, you know, like, in the mix, like he drove everybody nuts, kind of right. But he was just always stirring shit up. They, so much so that they put him in the cell directly <coughs> below the cops. Like the, you know, the, it's not a tower. It's just like the second floor, and the cop can stand in the cage. You can see everything, right, on the two seventy. Because you know what I mean. And but the worst cell to have is the one under the cop, and they put him in there because he was such a pain in the ass. And <clears throat> he was just, dude, always like writing. Um, not 115, 602, it's an inmate complaint form, right? And it's like, like, I've never even written one. You know what I mean? It's like, you, you write it in, like... You what, know, do you, like, put it in the box and they take your, like, suggestions? You write it, it's like a complaint. Like, <laughs> it's all more toilet paper? Yeah, like, yeah. you can complain about toilet paper, food, or whatever. But you can okay, also I, complain I, about cops. And the Geronimo was, um, you know, he, he, would, he, he was a bit of a pain in the ass. Like, we'd be fishing, you know, with fishing lines and shit. But... Fucking Mike, like, he comes up with this thing, and he makes a 602. It's an inmate complaint form about Geronimo, right? And he's, like, passes it. It goes from cell to cell. He's trying to get everybody to sign it to complain on Geronimo. There's only six white dudes in our whole building, and we're at the yard, and I told all the white dudes, I go, don't fucking sign your real name on that. I go, don't do it. You know what I mean? So it gets to me, and I wrote Sven Felcher as my <laughs> name and my cell number, right? And every other, you know, every other white dude, I go, I'm telling you, put a fucking fake name, man. You know, dude, the thing goes in, two days goes by, Geronimo comes with his buddies, and they toss up every fucking cell except for the five fake names. No, every fucking cell. Oh, my God. Every fucking cell. That's I classic. I've told my, yeah, I'm sure I've told my fake name story right to the police. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Oh, man, that's the best. I, uh, I'll tell it because I don't think Josh knows <laughs> it. So you're going to love this. I, I've never called him Josh before. <laughs> Dude, I, I appreciate that very much. I, wow. I thought, like, my mom was going to yell at me or something. <laughs> Joshua? The, the yeah. government name. Yeah. Holy, <laughs> like, holy shit. So, um, 
You you will love this. So I'm running around tweaking everywhere, and I get fucking. I mean, I am not good at you know uh, on on drugs. I'm a, I'm a good hustler and shit, but I can never stay out that long because I'm taking all these risks. You know, like because I think it's fun or whatever. So me, my friend Anthony, I own the skate shop with, and our other friend Tom Barry, who's really fucking funny. He kind of looks like Beaker from the Muppets, but with black hair, <laughs> like thick eyebrows. You know what I mean? And Tom's really funny and like loves bicycles. And dude, I could. There's endless stories. I remember he would do a trick for a line, like a line of speed. And I remember, have I ever told this? You're going to love this. So we're at Jimmy Rich's, and he's like, um, he's like, hey, Jimmy, can I do a trick for a kicker, right? <laughs> like for a line? He goes, yeah, Tom. And literally, he's like six foot four and really into bicycles. But Tom gets on his 10 speed, and he, there's a pool table in the backyard, and he starts riding. A, he puts the avocado in his mouth. And starts riding a this is with a bunch of tweakers, starts riding a wheelie, and as he goes past the fucking um, pool table, he leans over and slam dunks the avocado in the side pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and he comes out of it, and all of us are like, yeah! And, and Tom, Tom comes out of it like he just won the Olympics. He's like, arm up, yeah, like, yeah. like God, that's but, uh, so good. I mean, he's, dude, Tom's, Tom's classic, and um, fucking, so anyway, um, so they bust us. We're in this garage, right? And um, there, everybody would talk. I, it's probably this way, but there's always a drug cop. You know, there's always a drug cop that he's the guy, like mm-hmm. Officer Smith or whatever. Anyway, I mostly got busted by the sheriffs because, you know, Kavina has a police department, but the surrounding areas have it's all yeah, deputies, yeah. right? But it's fucking... Um, the garage door was broken. You know, like a pull-up one? The spring was broken. So when the door was open, it was only this high. Like two feet off the ground. But you could close it all the way. But we had it like, oh, because we were all sweating and tweaky and shit, you know. But we're in there and we're just standing around and everybody's going like, you got anything? No. You got anything? No. Everybody's acting like it's dry, right? But like I had a little bag. Anthony had a little. You know what I mean? Like everybody's holding that last like half gram or whatever, you know. But we're in there and I see under the door, you know, I could just see a pair of Doc Martens, but they're new ones. You know, it's probably like 1993. And... They're new Doc Martens, you know, like, and I'm like, fuck. I mean, we know a lot of people wearing Doc Martens. We don't know anybody wearing new ones. Yeah. But I didn't really think much of it. And it was like, hey, is John there? No, nah. I'm like, no, nah, nobody here. Like, hey, is John in there? I go, nobody here. And the door comes up, and it's this cop, and he has a gun pointed at us. I thought we were getting robbed. He was young. He was probably 25 or something. And we're like, fuck. We put our arms up, and he comes in. And, dude, there's so much shit in here, like fucking fishing lures and fucking bicycle frames. Just tweaker shit, right? And we have our arms up, and he comes in. He's like, don't fucking move so-and-so, Kavina PD, or whatever, right? I'm like, fuck. So they, they separate us. They put Anthony at the back of the garage, me at the where the garage closes, and Tom at the end of the driveway. Another cop shows up, and this is the cop. Every dope house, everybody's talking about, oh, fucking, you got to watch out for Lupo, the drug cop, right? Lupo this. And about two weeks before, I'm at some fucking dope house, and people are like, say And I just got sick of hearing a bit about it, and I go, Man, I go, that guy's fucking Bigfoot. And they're like, what? I go, I don't buy that shit, man. I'm like, I get busted all the time, and I've never been busted, <laughs> yeah, right? dude. Like, uh. never, never have they tried to question me. You know what I mean? I'm like, and at that time, all the focus was on meth dealers, meth cooks. You know what I mean? So, I don't know, a couple minutes goes by, and in walks this dude. He's probably about 38, this cop. They're plain clothes. But he walks in, and dude, his fucking pupils were like, they were like fucking you know, circular saws. Yeah. Fucking huge. And he's moving super fast. Like, 
looking at all of us, and I'm like, what the fuck, right? And I look at Anthony, and I go, that dude's loaded. You know what I mean? And Anthony's like, shut up. I go, dude, look at this guy. You know, and I could only talk when the cops weren't around me, you know? And I'm like, look at him. You know what I mean? And Anthony's like, shut up. So they're questioning us. And I'm like, I have a parolee at large warrant at the time. So I know, and I was on SSU parole, so no matter what, you get a year flat for any violation. There's no, like, 30-day dryouts. It's 365 days. But lying about your name is a misdemeanor. You know what I mean? So I'm like, so I'm like, who do I know is not fucking trouble? I'm like, who do I? And I go, oh, Tim Snyder, right? Who would have been, like, my job to you, right? But I, he, like, shaped surfboards in San Diego. He hadn't been in trouble in years. So we have our arms up, and he go, they go, what's your name? I said, Tim Snyder. And they go, what's your birthday? And I knew his birthday, and I said it. And I go, all right. What's your name? And I can, Anthony's, you know, like I said, he's in the back of the garage, he says his name. So then one of the cops is down at the end of the driveway asking Tom, and I fucking hear Tom go, oh, I was just hanging out with Keith and Anthony. And I was like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) The young cop comes back up and goes, what the fuck is going on here? I go, what? You know, whole time arms up and he goes, you're saying your name's uh, Tim. He's calling you Keith. What's going on? And I go, I go. Well, we have another... I'm just trying to make shit up. I go, well, you have another friend, Tim, so I go by my middle name, Keith. I'm like, I'm done, right? <laughs> then the walkie-talkie goes off, and it goes, uh, Mr. Snyder has a $45,000 warrant out of San Diego County. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Meanwhile, so these two also have warrants, Tom and Anthony. It's like, cuff us all up. Oh, here's one of the best parts. And This is Anthony's favorite part, so I got to say it for him. He brought it up the other day, but the cops, when they came in, they go... They go, empty your pockets. And I looked at Anthony, and I looked at the young cop, and I go, you might want to sit down for this. Because I got, like, <laughs> fucking Zippo lighters, pocket knives, you know what I mean? All this tweaker shit and these fucking dickies, you know what I mean? I'm like, but um, they take us all in, and, you know, you have a wristband when you go to the county jail, and it has your name. And automatically, they always, you know, Danny, they always uh-huh. look at the wrist, no matter what. Even when they know you, anything. And... Traditionally, when I go through the county jail, there's a, it's the three or four thousand floor. It's like a transfer floor. Like they'll take you through there to get somewhere else. And I'm always looking for my friend Dave Vasquez, who's my friend from ju- ju- junior high school. He's a really fucking good guy. He was a dep- and it's the only time I have felt any guilt about my lifestyle. He's he, you know he'd be like Keith, man, what the fuck? When are you gonna stop doing this, man? You gotta get your shit together. I'm like I, you know like, and, but I always wanted to see him because he would send me wherever I wanted to go. You know, I, and I like to go to Wayside East, and um. Uh, he goes, um, but this time I have this fake wristband and I'm in that hallway. I'll never forget. And I'm like, fuck, I hope he's not here. You know, I hope it's not his mm-hmm. shift or whatever. And sure, should I see him? And I just, I'm usually trying to make eye contact. You know what I mean? Now I'm like avoiding him. I'm like, fuck, because I'm done if he sees it, right? <laughs> I make it past him. I go to Wayside Minimum or Medium with there. But, you know, all your friends are there and they're like, because <laughs> I'm like, you know. Like, Snyder, Snyder. Oh fuck! I'm like, yeah, I'm right here. So everybody's like, "Who the fuck is Snyder?" I go, "Dude, I go, I'm in here under an alias. I'm trying to fuck. You know what I mean?" And they're like, "Fuck, you're crazy." And they go, "What are you gonna do?" I go, "I'm going to court, I guess." You know. So next day, I go to court, and dude, it the the bus ride from Wayside to West Cabina Courthouse is a fucking. It's awful. You know, you're up at three thirty in the morning. It's a fucking chained up. Anyway, so we go there. I'm sitting in court, and there's a public defender next to me. And he goes, okay, well, let's see what the judge says. And the judge is baffled, and I've never had this happen. He goes, he's looking at me, Mr. Snyder, what happened? You were doing so well. I mean, I don't even know what this warrant's for. So So I look at the judge, and I go, just fell on hard times. And he goes, all right, well, I'll release you on your own recognizance, and you can keep making the payments. He goes, 
or you can do the time. And I'm like, I look at the public defender. I go, how much time is it? He goes, what? <laughs> He's like, they're going to send you home. I go, dude, just ask how much time it is. And he goes, your honor, Mr. Snyder would like to know how much time it is. He goes, it's all what? <laughs> and he goes, he goes it's going to be 30 days. And I look at the public defender. I go, I'll take the 30 days. And so they sent me the 30 days. The funniest shit is I get back to Wayside and ev- like the essays and shit. Everybody's all excited. Like, what happened? I'm like, 30 days. And everybody's like, yeah. Right? <laughs> it's so like I, a feel-good moment. Yeah. <laughs> so I finished doing, I do about six, it was a total of eight or nine days. I finished doing the time. But now, you know, you, to get processed out, you go from Wayside to the county into the catacombs in the basement. And it, it takes, fuck, it could take a day or two. You know, you're just sitting there and they, every once in a while they come with and start calling names and they bring you to this room. You know, they bring you somewhere, you change your, into your clothes. Then you go to this white room. Have you ever been in that room in the last one before they cracked the doors of the county? Oh, you were in Twin Towers. Yeah. It's not, no, this is Men's Central. But there's a white room. It's like just white concrete. It's big. And there'll be like fucking 40 of you in there. And there's a cop in a window. Like, you can't even talk to it. It's just a solid window. And everybody's always said that's when they're checking for warrants, you know, or whatever, before they let you go. And I'm like, fuck, I'm done, right? And I'm just sitting there. And the guy, the cop, he always, it's always the same dude, this dude with a mustache. Not that that narrows it down for cops. But he's like looking and then looking at, at the people, you know, making sure who they are. You know, looking at the whatever. And then eventually, once he's gone through them all, you just hear a snap. You know, it's a hydraulic door, and it just cracks. And I heard that fucking door crack, and I'm like, fuck. So we all walk out, and I walk to those pay phones, you know, the ones yeah. right there. And I call Tim, and I was like, hey, quit paying on that warrant. He goes, what? I go, you got a warrant, right? He goes, yeah, for drunk driving. I go, not anymore. He goes, what? I go, I just did the time. He goes, all right. He goes, you good? I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> you're, a good, you're a good friend, dude. Yeah, like, holy dude, shit, man. He was stoked, dude. But the thing is, you're like, dude, I haven't been on meth in fucking nine days, and I know you are, but you owe me a steak dinner, and I want it. <laughs> dude, I haven't my, eaten in two weeks. Me and my wife were down there like six, seven years ago in San Diego. I have it, you know, I have a dinner with him and his mom and all them, and she's still mad. Keith, I can't believe you did that. So, you know, he, <laughs> so I'm funny. like, fuck, it's the least I can do. I'm using a motherfucker's name. I trip on the, like, how your stories are all tweak-related from back then. Yeah. And, like, all of mine are coke or crack-related. And that, there was always that dividing line, and it was so funny how we looked at, like, like I, we definitely had a stigma about the 909 that we're like anywhere from the 909s on tweak, yeah. anyone, right? And then I know that Covina is a 909, but we're like, you guys are sort of on the fence. <laughs> but like we rationalize it where we're like, our friends are just on blow and cracked out of their fucking yeah. boards, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like that tweak shit's like that's a whole that's trucker biker shit. Like yeah. that really didn't exist in Venice except for like a few yeah. people that did it. But like we were like, whoa, they do crank, that's heavy. But then there's some chicks sucking dick in the alley for crack, and we're like, yeah, but that's just crack. <laughs> that's all good, like, dude. Yeah. We we when I lived in Venice, I li- I was trying to get my shit together and quit drinking. I, I had this girlfriend who was really great named Tiffany. She lived on Thor. You know that. Old Charlie Chaplin house or yeah. whatever. It's apartments. So I went out and I was staying with her there, right? But I didn't really know anybody in Venice at that time. It's whenever it was, the riots were 91, 92, but I would literally just like, you know, she's at work like a regular human being. I'd just get out and wander down the fucking boardwalk. You know, and remember yeah, the, there was all those Just go hippies. watch all this sh- fucking weirdness. Yeah, no, I go and I just find a dude who looked like a, you know, those neo hippies. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, our age. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'd like, 
buy acid, and I just eat the acid, just Fully wander is. around the boardwalk, and it was a fucking blast. It's all acid coke shrooms, acid coke shrooms, like yeah. every person walking by. <laughs> I'm like, are you hoping one day I'm gonna say yes? I said that to a guy one time. I would come home and like every fucking day for me, like, yo, what you need, what you need, and I finally was like, yo, man, like, are you just hoping one day I'm just gonna be like, fuck it, I'm gonna start smoking crack? And he's like, hell, was like, yep, <laughs> like I was all fuck it, like we respectfully like liked what the other said, we're like, touche, motherfucker. <laughs> What's the craziest thing you've ever seen at work, like at the concerts or whatever, like? What do you do for like, like danger-wise? No, like drug, like people fucked up on drugs. Oh, f- f- I definitely had one of those fucking like moments that you would see in a movie where the stage manager's irritated with the lead singer because he's loaded type shit. Really? Sh- oh, yeah, dude, for sure, where you're like, yo, man, just get the fuck on stage and do your fucking like gig, dude. And, like, stop hiding in a closet and, like, uh, coaxing them out to go play. You're like, you smoked crack fucking on purpose the day of the show. Like, yeah. that kind of shit. Definitely dealt with that stuff. But, like, there's people that that love that kind of stuff. And they're like, I was there when he was cracked out and blah, blah, blah. That shit always irritated the fuck out of me, dude. Yeah. Uh, I've seen a lot of pretty classic Dave Navarro antics. Definitely. I I will say this is okay, this is on film. I have this on VHS and it's all the outtakes of of the Jane's movie that they made for the reunion tour that we did, uh the relapse tour. And Navarro was like it was like Perry and Navarro just trying to outdo each other, dude. Like they were just fucking running it hot and I'm like at some point, Navarro just took the cake, dude. He just, like, won. And we're in San Diego. Do you know Frank, who played bass for Cypress Hill for a while? I think so, okay, yeah. so he comes into play in this in a random way, too. Um, so, fucking, we're in San Diego, and Dave was, like, really, that was the part of the tour. He was, like, off the rails at that point. He was, like, sh- he was, like shooting blow like was he was up you know yeah. like his shit was like he would get all amped you know we would be on stage pacing like let's go while I'm waiting for the rest of the band it was fucking pretty classic like I'm all I'm all I hate that he's like this but it is pretty fucking humor like he was just like yo man like let's motherfucking play you know I'm like well at least the full showing up you know so fucking uh I don't think he'll be bummed on this story because like I said this thing's on film and it's been seen before and I think Warner Brothers absolutely would not allow the filmmakers to put this in the movie. And I think Dave was, like, all good with it being in the movie because it was a very truthful moment, to say the least. But we were playing San Diego, and he has... I don't know if he still does it, but he would play his guitar with a vibrator and make, you know, sounds out of no it. Way. Make wow, wow, wow. And he would have all these vibrators. And it was like, he had the stand, and would have, like, his ashtray and his cigarettes, and then, like, there was Velcro on it, and then his guitar tech, Dave Lee, would put, like, the Velcro around the vibrator and would stick to the stand, and it was, like, this little metal stand and everything. And Dave and I are standing next to each other, and they're playing three days, and there's this whole part where all the dancers are, like, making out with the band members, and it's this whole fucking, like, really, like, hedonistic vibe going on. And, and like I said, it's all, all on film. And Dave, at some point, just fucking, like, off his fucking ass loaded, 
grabs the vibrator and just bends over and just shoves that thing fucking up his ass in front of the whole arena to see and stands up and is like starts doing like playing the guitar like clinching it (laughs) takes it out sucks on it no way and then throws it on the ground and i me and dave used to go back and forth we're like when perry would fuck up he's like damn your boy went big tonight like sarcastically and then fuck it it was like and then when dave would do that i'm like your boy went bigger than i was like dude your boy won like nothing's gonna (laughs) talk that but you know perry's not gonna cross that line dude (laughs) no matter what you might think of him he's not crossing that line like even he looked at him like damn dude you did that and fucking, so Frank, years later, played bass at Cypress Hill. And I had that video. And I let the dudes of South Park watch it. And they were fucking dying. And my thing was like, you have got to promise not to make a copy. And they kept their word. And the South Park guys were like, that is the greatest shit. They said they watched it over and over. <laughs> and then fucking, I let, I brought it, because I was telling mugs in them about it when we were touring. And they're like, no way, no way. And I'm, I go, when we do the Grand Olympics show and we all get back to L.A., I'll bring the video. So I brought the video and I remember playing it. And I remember like they were gassing. Bugs was like just totally disturbed by it. He was like, damn, like, <laughs> like fuck, really? You know? And I remember like B was fucking gassing on it and shit. And then fucking uh, Frank goes, wait, man. Dude, I was at that show, fucking Cox Arena, right? Blah, 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 blah. And Homeboy was like there, and he's like, I remember that whole thing, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, no, it was like the fucking craziest shit. And he started naming shit that had happened. And another friend of ours who you know, fucking, he was like, I want to stage dive the last song. He came down to that show and I was like, you won't make it. We put the barricade further out and the fuckers staged him and went head up with the barricade. Last song, it got taken away in a stretcher to the fucking hospital. No way. And I was like, you won't make it, dude. You won't make it. And the fucker, pow. (laughs) That show was really eventful, dude. And hold on. And this was all in one day. Okay, so this is like, this is a job. Right? I, this is what I do for Lee. This is the most abnormal day of work. It started off with two of my friends, again, who go unnamed. Fucking, one of them gave me my nickname. They came down there with fake laminates. And it was the first time we had gotten back to the West Coast. And this is fucking awesome. Our laminates were like hologram laminates. And it was sort of when they were first doing that. So you could, you would know if they were Xeroxed or not, the color yeah. Xerox. And so they got busted with them. My production manager comes up to me and he's like super cool. And he's like, yo, man, there's two dudes out at the fucking dock right now. And like they are claiming you gave them these laminates. And I know that's not the case because I've been on a tour bus with you. Do you want to see who they are? And see if you just let them slide. But they got busted. Like, we're basically just about to boot them. Like, yeah. like okay. And I look, and it's my two really good friends. <laughs> and I was like, fuck them, dude. And I looked at them, and I was like, fuck you, motherfuckers. And I walked away. I was so pissed, dude. And I was like, you guys could got me fired. Like, if my production... My, my industry sucks for the fact that people instantly will just go off of something before they question anything. And that is a thing that has always existed they'll just be like oh my god this is what happened and that's it you're like no investigate it a little bit more thank god this guy was cool enough to be like i know you didn't do it but anyone else probably would have been like oh my god you gave your friend laminates but i know how you venice guys are and blah 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 blah." you know that whole thing and i looked at these guys i go you fucking idiots didn't even realize that they're holograms dude like this is what it looks like you know i know 
a friend of mine who was one of the guys who got me started in the business. The, the, he was on the Beastie Boys Rancid tour, working for the Rancid. And on their laminates, everyone had a number. Like, and you usually do. And that's like in the itinerary. It's like nine. You know, nine is Josh Klassen in tennis, right? So he had his, let's just say number nine. And he let someone else borrow his laminate to make a copy, which he should have done to begin with. But the person he gave it to is without a doubt one of the most untrustworthy people that is the person that would go and make a hundred of them. And he made a hundred of them. And he went to Staples and fucking got them all laminated and gave them to a ton of people. And at some point, security was like, there's way too many back people backstage and this isn't making sense and they started flipping the laminates around and everyone had the number nine <laughs> and so they just looked at the itinerary and they're like you, good thing we're at the forum you're fucking going home like to Venice right down the street and you're not on the tour anymore he got canned right then and there man. and I was like and I was like you should have known better to give so and so the fucking laminate you know Dude, uh, flip the number upside down. Dude, he was just like, yeah, it was just like, boop, 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 boop. It's all nine, 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 nine. And there's like a hundred of them, dude. I'm like, holy hell, that's fucked up. You, you know me. He's another musician who's friends with all those Janes dudes. He was in another band with them, but he was telling me, he's a great guy, but he, uh, he was telling me the story. Let me ask you this. Is he missing a tooth? Yeah. Okay. He is an awesome human being. He's the best. Like, man. he is the shit. Yeah. I love that fucking dude. He's, dude. you know why? Because he's real. Yeah, he yeah. don't give a fuck. He'll call it out, dude. That's why he's badass. And dude, I he's love that the dude. fucking truth. But hell yeah, he had taken me and a friend of mine on past when we were in Impact getting sober. But he was telling us stories. You know, you're like, and you know, like you're like, fuck, this dude's in a huge rock band or whatever. But he, there was some hotel in Hollywood. I think I've told you this, Danny. But he's like, you know, he relapsed. He has all this money, and he's in the penthouse that had just been redone. He was the first guy to go into it, right? And he relapsed, and he's in there shooting speedballs, right? But he would, like, shoot a speedball, draw some blood, and, like, spray it on the ceiling, and then stick it in this big chair, like a big armchair, right? Then the next time he shoots it, spray blood on the thing. Eventually, you know, he quit paying, obviously, for the room. The cops had to come get him out. And he said, dude, he goes, there's blood just splattered all over the ceiling. He goes, and the chair looked like a porcupine. That's how many legs were in it. <laughs> and the fucking manager of the hotel was on his hands and knees crying. That's oh how fucked up the, the wow. Dude, he, I got a good story about him. He, so I was on the phone with my friend who was their manager at the time. Yeah. And he was like, and I was on my pad on Pacific upstairs in Two-Tone. And I'm I'm like, you know, it's the, you can't make this shit up. And I'm looking out the window and I'm like, we're talking about surfing. And I go, hey, dude, how's it going with the band? I wasn't in the industry yet. It was was probably like a couple years before. And he goes, "Uh, everyone's doing good, except we can't find so-and-so. He's like, he's just missing, dude. We're like, we've been gone for like two days. And he walks by. No shirt, leather pants, no shoes on the other side of Pacific, walking by Aardvarks. And I go, yo, dude, I'm looking at him right now. And he goes, don't scare him, but go get him. And I'm like, hey. And he just goes bolting him on. He's gone. I'm like, he bailed. He's very brand in sleep. And it was fucking awesome, man. I was like, I don't know what you're going to do, but that motherfucker's gone, dude. Classic. Bagel, have you ever seen a ghost? I've never seen one, but I... I definitely had a moment where I heard something with my kid's mom that 
we both were like, okay, th- that was ghosts for sure. And she definitely has seen one. She saw the same ghost that the entire band saw up at the re- at the Shangri-La recording house when we were staying up there. The the time I had heard ghost-like things was I was at the same person's pad who did the stage dive and fucked themselves up. We were staying at that person's dad's house and we were in between houses. And we slept in his dad's room and in the middle of the night, it was like three, four in the morning, middle of the night, we were dead asleep and she said she got the same feeling I did. My kid's mom, we both got just sort of this weird feeling and both woke up and we heard children's laughter from the room going down the hallway and then it just faded. And I was fucking terrified, dude. Like, uh, didn't see a thing that scared the living shit out of me and was the most uncomfortable sleep that I remember uh, telling my friend. I was like, yo, dude, you're like the scaredest motherfucker of like scary movies and shit. Like, we used to clown him on that shit. And all that, how do you sleep here? Dude, this place is terrifying. He's like, no, dude, it's all good. It's normal to me. And we're like, nah, dude, we heard like kids laughing down the hallway, you know, like four in the morning. And I was like, it was so bizarre to me. Like he was afraid of all kinds of shit, dude. And it was like the one place he felt safe was the one place that I heard something that made me like paralyzed, scary. Like I was like, oh, like frozen. And she was like, did you hear that? Did you hear that? And I'm like, that happened, right? Like we just heard that. And we were both dead sober, dude. Yeah, what did your kids, uh, what did your kids mom see? So up in at the Shangri-La, and there was a lot of people that said they saw this woman, that there was a blonde woman in a pink dress with two girls, with two daughters. Perry said he saw her out in the yard one time, in the like backyard, and they were on the swings, and he said that it just seemed totally normal. Like, it wasn't ghostly looking. It looked like a person. Oh. And then... Everyone else said they saw her at one time or another, and it seemed fairly normal to them. Like, they weren't freaked, but they were like, whoa, that's sort of weird. But then my kids, so mind you, my kid's mom, the whole time I was with her, she was sober. So this poor woman was sober when the rest of us were out of our fucking minds. But she, like, rolled with this, and she rolled with the punches like you would have thought she was loaded, but she wasn't. So she, like, remembers everything, you know, kind of stuff. She comes in after my friend Sean London's birthday party. And she comes in and goes, who's the woman with the blonde hair out there? And I was like, what? And she's like, there's some woman. She's still there. And I was like, I don't know. It's, there was a couple people that were left. And she's like, no, because the other girls you're talking about, they, they left with Sean. She goes, I had one out there. She went out to get like a drink of water. And she goes, I don't know. She said hi to me. And she's just sitting on the couch by herself. She didn't think anything of it. The next morning, she asked the guys like, Dude, there was this girl last night. Do any of you know? She like she had blonde hair and she was like wearing this pink dress, and they all like froze. And they're like, "Yeah, that's the woman we see. We've been telling you about." And she's like, "Oh fuck, I saw her." And I was like, "I was the only one that didn't see her." Thank God, because my little scary ass went over <laughs> the door, stayed in a hotel, and been like, "Why do we live in that house still?" Dude? <laughs> what is the Shangri La? It's uh, Rick Rubens owns it now. Oh, it's that place up at Zuma, but it's it originally was, I guess, an old brothel up in Zuma for like the Hollywood big wigs to be able to go bail. There's like double doors and all that kind of shit. Then Robbie Robertson and the band had it forever. And 
that's the house that's in the last waltz where they do all the interviews mm-hmm. and where he's shooting pull that like it, yeah. it, and when we were staying there it looked pretty close to that still and there was a they took some wood and and set it in the cement it said the band like i got pictures of that and rick rubens when he redid the place he had that cemented out and like he has that as like an art piece where so i was like that's cool that you kept that because that was the one <clears throat> to me was the one super amazing thing that the band's like yeah. like plaque kind of thing was there but it was just literally like pieces of wood that spelled the band Really? And so, yeah, so he, like, got it jackhammered out. Because it was on that, sh- there's a show that he did about the Shangri-La recently. Uh, that was, I can't remember what network it was Does on. Does he live in it? Yeah, he lives there now. Oh. So it's, like, sort of, it's exclusive now. He uses it to record, but he now owns it. Where before, <clears throat> when Perry and them were recording Good God's Urge, and they were living there, um... It was like this family owned it, like the dad owned it, and there was and the and the like the brother and sister, the son and daughter of this guy. They lived downstairs uh, or down the way. They lived down the fucking hill, and they were in that house. And they used to come to parties, and we would be like, "Yo, you guys want to cruise? It's a birthday party night." They were always like stoked. We're like, "Yo, dude, your dad owns this place," but they were really respectful of like. Not going like, hey, dude, can we hang out? We, and they were really cool. We'd bring them up. We're like, come on up, you know? Um, so it turned into a recording studio where bands would basically live there and record. Oh, you know, okay. it's, And it's a really, it's a cool pad, man. It's like ranch style where it's like really long. It's one, one floor and it's multiple rooms. And then when you head towards the front of it, like what you would be heading west, like going towards PCH, uh, that's where all the like recording shit is right there. Oh, it's like okay. the big room with all, you know, the fucking baffles and the, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff that you see. But like Eric Clapton recorded there and like a lot of acts have recorded famous albums there and stuff. Oh, okay. And it was like when, when we lived there, so I just lost my job at the, at the firehouse and it wasn't for trying to stab the muscle guy. <laughs> <laughs> and fucking, uh, and then I was like, you know, doing construction here and there and, Fucking, uh, we were behind on rent. My kid's mom didn't have a job. I had just gotten her pregnant. We were just, we were that couple. We're just like, all right, dude, like the chips are down. (laughs) My friend Roger was the manager for the band. And Roger. Of Jane's Addiction. Of of Porno for Pyro's, then Jane's Addiction. Roger was a friend of mine and it is a friend of mine that I grew up with that's a little older than me and him and Peter Stefano, who ended up being the guitarist yeah. for Porno for Pyros they knew each other really well they knew each other since they were way younger and they're both a little bit older than me I knew them since I was like in like junior high but they were already in high school and uh, Roger ended up becoming the manager and then Peter ended up becoming the guitarist so we had this like instant connection we already knew Perry you know and we Paris, knew and we, a West Sider? And no, he's from uh, New York, and oh. then he New York and Florida, and then he came out to California. Oh, okay. And um, um, Roger and Perry one day were just like, "Hey, man, like we know you're going through hard times. Why don't you guys come up to the Shangri-La? You know, put your shit in storage until you get back on your feet. We have the place for a couple more months. We gotta give it up, but like at least you can save your money. She's pregnant." And Lorraine's pregnant, which is Peter's wife. Also, a side note, a cutaway. We, me and DeVette, like, 
basically forced Peter to go out one night to a club and our friend Jackson was working the door and fully like hooked up Peter and was like, yo, dude, you know, fucking, I, I love the music, blah, 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 and have a good time. And he met his wife there and then he got her pregnant. Oh, and so Devette and her were a week apart. And so you have two pregnant women. And so we moved up there. We had a dog and a cat. Yeah. So you have a dog, a cat, two pregnant women and a band that's out of their fucking minds for the most part. <laughs> like, like two of the members aren't. And then the other two were, and the other one, our friend that we were talking about had already left at that point. Oh, he okay. was already gone. And it was like living in the monkeys, but like the monkeys fucking like doped out, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> the, 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 you know what I mean? Like the monkeys, if you watch them smoke weed and drink and do other heavy stuff and shit. It was, it was a pretty fucking, it was a fun time. It was pretty fucking classic shit. Um, I, okay, uh, so so anyway, so Roger and them were like come up and we, we moved up there and we, I, I think we were there about like maybe four months, you know, and then that's when I was like, you know, I don't want to do construction my whole life and I'm really interested in what you guys do. Like, is there a way to like do this for a living? And they're like, yeah, we'll take you, we'll take you with us. You could be our stage manager and Sean will like teach you and he's our production manager and our moderate guy and he'll totally like, you know, show you the ropes and like, just go for it. And that's how I got in the business. No way. And so dude, so like, I, I'm, I'm going to be very careful with my words here. There are a lot of people in my industry that totally support me and they support my photography and they love the whole background of me being from Venice. And a lot of, I got a lot of my friends in Venice from Venice in the industry after I got in and paid it forward heavily. And all those people have become friends. You know what I mean? A lot of those dudes are from West Covina, you know, huh. that like our that, age? that, yeah, that, that we all, my friends from Venice and them became friends through being in the industry and all that. And so there are also, and we click with them, dude, me being from Venice is what got me my career. Not because I knew anything about the industry I didn't know anything about fucking like music except that I liked music and I found it interesting. But it's because I was from Venice is how I met Perry originally. It's because I'm from Venice is what got me my foot in the door in the industry that I'm still in. Dude, I got thrown to the wolves and I just fucking handled because I was in survival mode going, yo, dude, I don't want to do construction and paint my whole life. And like perry was enamored with venice and he loved the venice scene he very much did and we we took him in we're very accepting to the guy and it wasn't rock star treatment shit he just was cool when we met him none of us had worked for him and i had barely gotten into jane's and a friend of mine was living with him at the time and he just introduced us all to him and we're like yo man like you go with the flow and he knew a shit ton of people from venice already like musicians and very underground kind of people and already sort out his foot in the door. So that whole connection is a Venice connection. And like, I, like I said, there's friends of mine that are very supportive. There's bosses of mine that are very supportive of what I do outside of work. Like they love it. And then, so, I mean, that is like that is in a nutshell how my career got started you know what I mean it was just like yo dude just go for it like Sean London hooked me up with a gig at Denim and Diamonds remember that place but it was the one at the Universal he's like 
go meet this dude. You're going to do a thing called a load-in, and he's going to pay you cash. And I remember we dumped a truck, and we loaded all this gear in denim and diamonds. We didn't even have to set it up. We just rolled it in, and the guy, I remember, like, bust out $300 for each of us, three $100 bills, and just gave it to us. And I remember, like, dude, I have bought and sold. I want in on this industry so bad. Like, I can't believe I just made that in, like, two hours. Like, yeah. holy shit, dude. Like, what is this? And Sean's like, oh, you make way more money than that. You know, wait till you go on tour and blah, 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 blah. You know? But, um, How old were you when you started shooting photos? You were little, I right? was 14 when I started, and I was really super interested in it. But all the photos that people really know me for are more, like, in the later 80s. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. The, the main the main yeah. shots like anywhere from like let's say eighty seven to like ninety three, right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot in like eighty eight. There's a ton of them from like eighty eight when I was like seventeen to eighteen. So like eighty seven, eighty eight. It was like that was the most amount I was shooting. Like I was obsessed with it at that point. When you were a kid, was was because uh, you knew Jay Adams from when you were very young. Yeah, right. He was my neighbor. When oh, I was really? when I was younger, yeah, he he was staying at Kent's old pad that was sort of like the Z Flex factory in a way. Like it was this old yellow house on Twenty Fourth and Pacific, and Jay was dating this woman that we know, Tiffany. That she lived directly across the street from me, and I went to school with her and her brother Bruce. And that's how I met Jay when I was a little kid. My mom used to crack up on Jay. She used to like, love that I would call him fucking Jay Adams. Yeah. I'm like, hey, fucking Jay Adams is coming over. So she would be like, oh my God, fucking Jay Adams. <laughs> and everything was always like, fucking Jay Adams, fucking Jay Adams, yeah. Was, was he really that, it, it, was it just mesmerizing to watch him? I mean, skating, yeah, he ripped skating. Yeah. But, I mean, how is this? To, to me, what was mesmerizing about watching him skate was his style and flow. Right. That he was just all about it. You know what yeah. I mean? But, like, fuck, man, like, Murray and Dressen and all yeah. those guys, they were just crushing it then. And, you know, watching all of them was fucking mesmerizing. Like, I watched those dudes for fucking hours and Julian Stranger and Tuma and just nonstop yeah, skating. Rip. Like, those fools just skated hard all day long. You know what I mean? But Jay, his whole thing was because by that time he was the older guard. But, like, it was just all style, man. Like, no one could touch that. You know, yeah. everyone had their own style. But his style was just like, it was an, another level, you know, of like super cool. Yeah. You know, he was all about the like laid back flow mixed with aggression. You yeah. know what I mean? It was like the full package kind of fucking thing. Yeah. Um, and Jay as a person, he was fucking total fucking terrorizer. He had shit tons of humility and he was very humble with the compliments. He didn't take a compliment well. Like he would thank the person. But he always deflected by this was one of his best traits too is the fact that someone would be like, You rip, oh my god, I look up to you today. He's like, Yeah, but dude, like that was a sick trick you just did. And he would deflect and like totally compliment the other person. Oh right. You know, he always did the like, Yeah, but you could do it too. That's rad that you did it. You know what I mean? We're just we're just skating, you know, we're skaters. You know, and I and I know that he knew that he was like obviously better than that. But he never bought into his own hype on that. Uh, so, you know, he just was like, I, I do it because I have fun. I'm not going to mm -hmm. say I do because I think I'm the shit. And, like, you could be the shit, too, and just keep doing it, you know? Yeah, that's rad. Yeah, he, but then, then he had his other side, 
where he was just being absolute fucking maniac. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just get hammered and act like a fucking absolute fucking maniac. You know what I mean? He, dude, he used to do this thing that drove me absolutely fucking insane. He was staying on me and my roommate Joey's couch for a while. And he, he was the dude that when he did blow, he was 100% the opposite of what he was. And it, it would take him down a thousand notches. He would get super quiet. And he wouldn't want to do shit. And I didn't have a car then. And I don't think Joey had his truck yet at the time. And Jay was like a ride to places. And we, I would always beg him, like, don't do blow, dude. Because if we do blow, we're not going to go out. And he would do blow, and he's like, we're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. And he'd get all freaked out. And he loved B- Mickey's Big Mouth, right? And so, and he would do this thing where, like, I would be asleep and fucking, you know, it wasn't even, like, us partying. Like, it would be him just doing some blow with Joe in the back, and he'd, like, come back into the couch, and he'd turn the TV on, and he'd turn the volume up just enough to be annoying, where it'd be like, <laughs> where you're like, Dude, just turn it up so I can sleep to like what the person's saying because that's just an annoying whispering noise. And I'd be like, yo, dude, like turn the TV off. And he would like be slouched in the chair with his hair just all slicked back. And he would have the Mickey's big mouth that would just be warm by that point because it was the same Mickey's for hours. And he would go and he put his like finger above his fucking lips. He'd go, shh, and he's all, it's all good. Go back to sleep. Just go back to sleep. And I'm like, and it's like the glow of the TV's on, and I'm like, yo, dude, I just want to go to bed, man. And it would just be hours of that shit, dude. Wow. I'd wake wow. back up, and it would just happen again, you know. <laughs> he definitely was not good on blow, and it was not his big party thing. It, yeah. You know, he would just get when he'd go get drunk. He that's like me and him and a lot of my friends, tons of my friends, we'd go drinking and fucking just be nuts. You know what I mean? I think we're good, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, wait. Can I tell a quick Brian story? Oh, dude, yeah. please. Okay, yeah, right, please, right, please. This one would be super quick. All right, no. Okay, so Brian was living with Terrell at the time, uh, our friend Bud Duck, and he passed away, may rest in peace. And they lived in a, in a bachelor, and fucking Terrell was gone, and for whatever reason, and Brian's like, yo, come over, let's fucking go drink. So me and Brian are just drinking 40s, getting all fucked up, and just for no reason, just bored, you know, kind of thing. And fucking, I open up his door, and he lived across the street from me on Pacific at the time, and he was in the alley. And I see the fire extinguisher, and I'm like, dude, we should just grab the fire extinguisher and just, you know, just blow it off. He's all, fuck it. So we smash the glass, and we're running up and down the stairs, and it's like a three-story apartment complex and we're just like and me and him both had never done that before and we didn't know it was like a, a powder yeah and we're like what the fuck is this and it gets all smoky and it's like <laughs> fogged out in the whole apartment complex and we're like whoa shit like damn we're breathing this shit in like world's dumbest criminals dude we're like oh my god we're like choking so we run back down the stairs and we go into his room and we're like we or into his pad and the pad's all smoky in there we're like fuck dude this sucks like can't believe we did this we're idiots and then all of a sudden we are ba 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 and the neighbors are just like got a lynch mob and they're just pounding on the door and we're like what the fuck and we open the door and we're like what and the neighbors like you motherfuckers and we know that you guys did that and we're like what are you guys talking about and we didn't realize that all that smoke the powder had settled and the footprints led perfectly yeah. to Brian's door. <laughs> <laughs> and I just look at Brian and I go, 
dude, just pack your shit up and stay on my couch. It's time to leave. And, he goes, yeah. and they're like, you're going to get evicted. And Brian's all, shut the fuck up. And we like walk out. And as we're walking, it's all, the foot's all, all of every step we take, it's all poof, 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 poof. That was a good one. That Brian killed oh, me man. with that shit. Dude, I could when you said when you said that I could hear his voice, you know, like oh my like, god, he's yeah, all dude. shut the fuck up, and they're like the footprints are like oh man, we're oh. such idiots, dude. Yeah, Classic. rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace, Brian. Man, love you, homie. Yeah.